Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. All right. It's the Clippers. There. Our great national debate. Okay. Our great statewide debate. That's not fair to jazz fans in Idaho. Our great Intermountain West debate is over. It will not be the Mavericks. It will be the Clippers. A game that I thought the Clippers were controlling even when they were losing, to be honest. Does that make any sense? Can you control a game while you're losing? Dallas came out, Luka Doncic came out, and they just threw everything they had at the Clippers. They shot 63% in the first quarter and emerged with a very tiny lead. <laughs> just just barely in front. And they were shooting 63%. That was not a good sign. They inevitably cooled off, and they really could not stop the Clippers. And nobody went for 30. It was not a one-man wrecking crew. Uh, but a lot of guys scored. And, of course, Kawhi Leonard, you know, led the way with 28. And Paul George had 22, although he had a bunch of points after the thing was decided at the end. Still not 100% sold on him coming through under pressure. But there wasn't a lot of pressure at the end of the game. The Mavericks had to rally to get within seven with 2.15 to go. And then Mr. October, okay, Mr. June, Reggie Jackson hit a three to push it back to 10. They won by 15, 126-111. So... Luka Doncic, who put a massive stats of like 46 points and 14 assists, uh, just, just huge stats, massive, but they couldn't get stops. You give up 126 points, that's just not going to be a winning number very often. And I know it will sometimes. I know the Jazz beat the Grizzlies in the playoffs 141-129. There are exceptions, but 126 is not going to be a winning number very often. And it was not a winning number for the Mavericks, so for the second year in a row they go home. Beaten by the Clippers in six last year. Beaten by the Clippers in seven this year. They're headed home, and I do expect that Luka Doncic, uh, if he hasn't already, I didn't go all the way through all his post game, but if he hasn't already, he will soon be uttering the Donovan Mitchell, we're done with going out in the first round line. And, of course, uh, the key to that would be to get higher in the standings. That would be the best thing to do because the Jazz getting to number one made it a little easier to get through the first round. But now it's the second round. It's the Jazz who are the one seed, and it's the Clippers who are the four seed. Two teams that met four years ago and the Jazz won in seven, and almost everything has changed. You know, PK and I will talk about how sports changes quickly and how it seems like when you're up, you will always be up, and when you're down, you will always be down. But the truth is players are coming and going. Coaches are coming and going. Maybe not in Utah, uh, but another team so quickly that whatever is true now, that's great. But what does it mean three, four, five years from now? Well, we got a, we've got a perfect measuring stick here. Because the Jazz played the Clippers in the first round in 2017. It was a four-versus-five series. And the Jazz won as the five seed. Home court didn't matter hardly at all. Uh, games two and four were won by the home teams. Clippers won their second game at home. The Jazz won their second game at home. The other five games were all won by the road team. You know, it's 2-2, two, two and <laughs> everybody just starts winning on the road. And then you look, are there any parallels can be drawn? Well... The Clippers have literally changed every single player on the roster. There is not one Clipper left from that era in this era. And they changed their coach, too. Doc Rivers is gone. Chris Paul is gone. Blake Griffin is gone. DeAndre Jordan is gone. Lob City is gone. Cue Tyron Lue and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and Nicholas Batum and on down the line. Everything. Everything has changed. Things change so fast in pro sports, 
that even if you go back and look at the three regular season games, and those are always weird to look at, right? You got to see who played and who didn't. And uh, they played three times this year, and the Jazz won two of the three. But in the second game, which was the Jazz' second win, the Clippers didn't play Kawhi Leonard or Paul George or Nicholas Batum. Mike Conley didn't play for the Jazz. So to draw a lot of anything off of that, you know, good luck with that, right? Obviously, the Jazz win, but that, what does that mean now? Nothing. Uh, the Jazz won game one. Conley went for 33 points, a season high. And the Jazz won that game. Had a big lead and then held on and won by six. Conley had like seven points in the last two minutes. And then the third game, which the Clippers won. Everybody had everybody. Everybody was there. All the stars were there. Everything was all set up, so no excuses on that front. And the Clippers win. But the guy who came off the bench and really killed it for the Clippers, Lou Williams, had 19 points in the game. And they traded him a month later, a little more than a month later. They traded him to the Atlanta Hawks for Rajon Rondo, who got a big DMP coach's decision yesterday and didn't play. Now, different team, different matchups. You know, we'll have to see where that goes. But that kind of jumps out at you. So what happens now? Where uh, where does this go? I mean, with Lou Williams gone, that like dramatically changes the Clippers bench. I mean, his skill set, holy cow. And he lit up the Jazz so many times. Like he lit everybody else up. He's just a tremendous scorer. Uh, so some things change the same. And, and obviously I think there are two big storylines here, and we'll get to this. It's the question of the day. It's up on our Facebook page, uh, DJ and PK. You know, what, what worries you most about the Clippers? You know, what's the headline? What is the big stress point? What what keeps you up at night, Jazz fan? And I think there's obviously two things. And you go right down the line because it could well be a close series. And in a close series, lots of role players could be key for, you know, better or for worse for your team or for the other team. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways it could go. I think, though, at the top of the list, you have to go with, is Kawhi Leonard just going to go off? You know, when he's on, he is a sight to behold. When he is on, he is spectacular. And I think also, is Mike Conley going to play? You know, he does a lot for the Jazz. You know, it's another shooter, another ball handler, a guy who's played in a conference final and been in a lot of big games and will be poised. And a guy, quite frankly, the Clippers had problems stopping. I mean, 33 points, good grief. Uh, he was 7 of 14 from three when he had that 33-point effort. So, uh, you know, he brings... He brings a lot to the table here, and I think it's all hands on deck. You know, it's uh, the Jazz finished five games in front of the Clippers in the standings, but you have to remember the Clippers were tanking at the end. You know, that could have been three games. And instead of looking at you know points, um, they look at points per possession to kind of take the the tempo, the speed, you know, uh, out of the game. Just like how good are you possession after possession? It's how they do this offensive and defensive efficiency rating, and it figures in for three-pointers and all that. But if you're given 100 possessions, if you're given the ball 100 times, on average, how many times do you score? And you do the same thing defensively. If you have to defend 100 times, how many times, how many points do you give up in that 100 possessions? And then the difference, you know, if you average, well, whatever. I don't want to throw too many numbers at you. But the difference there between the offense and the defense, are you plus, are you minus, are you ahead, are you behind? And the two teams with the biggest margin, the biggest plus numbers all year were the Jazz and the Clippers. And the Clippers' numbers, whether it's the win total or the average points per game or average points allowed or if you go to this net differential um, – you got to remember, it's skewed by the fact that who sits more than Kawhi Leonard? <laughs> who sits more? Now, you do have to factor in, is Conley going to go or not? Because jazz numbers are different with him. So there's all kinds of stuff to dive through. But I think there's the headlines right there. And I think it's clear and it's obvious. 
Now, there's some other things you can go to. Certainly, there are more things that matter in this series. And one thing that I can't quantify, but I really want to watch for, is the Clippers. Like, do they have a soul? How much heart do they have? How much are they going to fight back when they get in trouble? And Kawhi Leonard fought back in Game 6. But I think we all found how they came out in some of the other games weird. And if they, if they, they cut it close against the Mavericks, but they had enough talent to get it done. But... Jazz are a different team. Jazz are better defensively. I mean, certainly Rudy Gobert. The Mavericks just don't even come close, right? I mean, Porzingis has a lot of size, but he doesn't. <laughs> it's just not. Let's not even have that discussion. Um, if they try to cut it that close against the Jazz, will they get burned? You know? If they play their best basketball for four straight games, yikes, that ought to stress some Jazz fans out, right? But are they capable of that? Is that even going to happen? Are they going to play the best basketball for one out of four games? How's that going to work? How are the Jazz going to shoot it? That's another thing. How are the role players going to shoot it? Because if the Jazz play their best basketball for four straight games, the Clippers ought to be saying yikes. The Clippers ought to be sweating. you know. But are they going to have a night where they shoot it really poorly like they did in game one? Now they didn't have Donovan Mitchell to you know, break the defense, put the opponent into a scramble, and create wide open shots. Although I thought they had a fair number of open shots that night. Um but still, Donovan's a comfort blanket. You know, ups your confidence. And you're not squeezing it so much. We really, really got to have this. You know, you, so maybe relax a little bit and you hit more. So they're the big questions. And then there's plenty of questions off of those. And we will get to those uh, later in the sh- show and uh, discuss them on and on and on and on and on and on. Because what are we going to do but talk jazz and clippers all day today and all day tomorrow? That's what's going to happen because the second round is here and someone's going to the conference final. And the Jazz haven't been there since 2007, so it'll be a big deal. Clippers have never been there, so it'll be a big deal. That's right. Clippers have never been to a conference final. I love it when uh, – and, and they're already out on our on our page. I already looked at them. They were posting last night on Facebook. Uh, the conspiracy theorists are, I'm worried that LA's a big market team and the refs are going to give them every call. Uh, the Clippers – I mean, they're only a big market team because it says L.A. So few people in L.A. care about the Clippers. It's a Laker town. The Lakers got there 25 years before them. The Lakers won a bunch of titles before them. And the Clippers have really never won much of anything. The occasional first-round series here and there. And nothing past that. And the Lakers are sitting over there, you know, winning the title with Weston Chamberlain and winning five with Magic and Kareem and winning three with Shaq and Kobe and winning two more with Kobe and Gasol. <laughs> It's an embarrassment of riches. 11 titles. And that doesn't count all the times they've been in the NBA Finals and lost. I mean, it just goes on and on. And so to think that, like, oh, this big market team and everybody's going to watch the Clippers. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's more that they've got stars. You know, people across the country will watch Kawhi Leonard because he's one of the best players and he's been on two championship teams already. Um, I saw a thing on the, the TV ratings in, uh, by market, and, like, the, the Clippers and Nets are, like, bottom four in the league. They do not resonate in their home markets. Now, with stars, they resonate all across the country. So, calm down on the whole conspiracy theory thing. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear from the Clippers and from the Jazz. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, we're going to hear from the Clippers here in this segment. A couple things I want to clean up first from the last segment. I said that uh, Rondo got a DNP. Got my guys wrong. I got my guys mixed up. It was Patrick Beverly who got the DNP coach's decision. Uh, Rondo played nine minutes. Didn't really have all that big an impact. Uh, was one for four shooting, finished with three points, didn't have a rebound, didn't have an assist, didn't have a steal, did commit a couple of fouls. Only played nine minutes, but he did play. So I wanted to uh, fix that. Uh, and then the other thing, I was talking about how the Clippers, uh, you know, what do you learn from the NBA four years ago? And the Clippers have turned everybody over. And if you think about it, the Jazz have turned almost everybody over. Who's left from that series? Joe Ingles? Rudy Gobert, Derek Favors left and came back, and Quinn Snyder, head coach, uh, and then obviously some assistants. But uh, over on, on the Clippers' side, Ty Lue's new, all the players are new. Jazz have three players and their head coach back. So things change so fast in the NBA. They change so fast. You know, there's all kinds of rumors that are going to change again, that this old Kawhi Leonard to the Clippers thing isn't going to last, that Kawhi could end up in Miami uh, man, I don't know. We're hearing all kinds of rumors about player movement now. And Lillard and the Blazers and, yeah, Lillard wants a coach. And, oh, no, if he doesn't get him, well, now the coach is saying, hey, I don't want to come because it was Jason Kidd. Uh, he didn't want to come. So <laughs> it's just it's chaos, man. But there's all kinds of stories about Kawhi Leonard. And Leonard's going to end up in Miami, which is funny because no one wants to take off more time than Kawhi Leonard. If he's not 100% right, he didn't want to play, right? The rest days, the back-to-backs, we know he's going to sit – Meanwhile, over here, you got Pat Riley was famous for like these three-hour practices. You know, he'd just grind guys, just grind them. I don't know if that's a great fit. But we got to get through the playoffs. We can leave that for another time and see where and see where that goes. Jazz and the Clippers, game one, 8 o'clock Tuesday night. Game two, Thursday night at 8 o'clock. And then it's off to L.A. Saturday and Monday for games three and four. Um, and game three is national TV on ABC at 6.30, so a little earlier on Saturday night. So the first three game times are set, and then we'll see after that how all the series goes and uh, how it plays out. We get uh, game one in the other Western Series tonight. Phoenix and Denver are playing tonight. That's tipping off, so we got that going for us. And then it'll be the Jazz tomorrow night. It'll give the Clippers a little time. They need it. They knock out the Mavericks. 15-point win for them yesterday. Time to hear from a couple Clippers in the post game. Uh, a little bit looking ahead, but mostly about the game. Um, but, you know, hey, how do they win a big game? Because largely, I mean, you do want to attack your opponent's weaknesses, but largely do what you do best, right? Do what you do best, and the Jazz are going to get a big dose of it. So here's Kawhi Leonard, the man of few words. He did say something funny during the game, and I don't know if it was funny because he was trying to be funny or if it was funny because it was kind of mean. <laughs> I'm leaning a little more towards number two. He didn't have a big smile like he was being funny. Terrence Mann, who shot the ball all right in the game, but he did miss a three-pointer, and it barely grazed the rim. But it went almost straight down, and it just barely grazed the rim. I, live, I thought it was an air ball. But then they had a replay, and you could see it did, it did get a little piece of the rim. And Kawhi catches it and quickly takes it up. He gets fouled. He scores three-point play, and his teammates are pumped. He turns around. He's walking back to the free throw line. He looks over his shoulder, and it's this nice pass. But he didn't smile. <laughs> Brutal. All right, Kawhi Leonard, he's made a joke or two in his NBA career publicly. He usually plays it pretty straight. Here he is at the podium uh, doing the Zoom with the media after the Clippers win Game 7 and eliminate the Mavs for the second straight year and move on to the second round to face the Jazz. Here's Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi, uh, you you mentioned after Game 6, one of the factors of playing a good game was not turning the ball over. 
Uh, you had the ball in your hands, 20, nine assists, no turnovers. How were you able to take what you said about the last couple of games and apply it to your own game tonight? Uh, just staying focused, um, you know, knowing where my teammates are, uh, you know, just staying poised um, and just keeping faith, you know what I mean? Um, just trying to win a basketball game. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, you got to be aggressive all night and, you know, don't try to make the game be perfect. Thanks, go to Tim. Tim, man, ESPN. Kawhi, what do you think of what Luka Doncic did in this series and the challenges that he presented you guys? Oh, man, um, you know, he, he, he did everything. Uh, you know, I believe, I don't know how many 40-point games he had, I believe three, three or four. Um, you know, shooting it very efficiently um, from three, for sure, off the dribble shots. Um, you know, just doing it all for his team. Uh, you know, he, he's a great player. You don't see him for many years to come. Uh, you know, he's playing at his own pace. He's making it look easy out there. Thanks. Going to Mark Medina. Hi, Kawhi. Congrats on the win. Um, I know, obviously, Utah is a really tough opponent, but what sort of big picture – carryover do you think the team can uh, have with just what you guys went through in the first round? Uh, just just seeing, uh, you know, how par we play pretty much. Um, you know, uh, you know, just trusting each other. Um, the same thing you need to uh, need to have to be uh, the last team standing. But, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a different challenge next series. Uh, it's a different team. So, um, you know, we, we just got to see, uh, you know, you know what they do well and, you know, how, how, uh, how we can hire our chances of winning. Thanks. Go over to Andrew Greif. Hey, Kawhi, to, you, you mentioned the trust in, and Ty Lue before the game said that game sevens are all about trust. How did you see throughout this series trust build um, within this roster? Um, you know, I think, I think just, uh, you know, as we watch film and, you know, we've seen that uh, we're leaving each other on islands, uh, mainly on the defensive end. Um, nobody's really selfish on the offensive end on this team. Uh, you know, that's up to me and PG and playmakers uh, on the offensive end not to be selfish because at times you feel like you got to do it all. But, um, you know, these games aren't one. Uh, we're just one or two great players. You need a whole 17 or 16 players that you have, guys on the bench clapping, letting you know what's going on, and, you know, the rotation players. So, um, you know, I think we had trust at the beginning, but we just had to dial in on what we were doing. Thanks. Go to Ohm. Hey, Kawhi. Um, for you guys to stave off, uh, come back from 2-0, stave off elimination these last two games, what do you feel? Do you feel something different in this team that wasn't there last year um, to help you guys come through in this game seven? Um, no. I mean, um, I think I said this. I don't, I'm not thinking about last year. I'm thinking about what's, what, uh, what are we doing today and, you know, what the, what the next step is tomorrow. So, um, you know, I'm glad that we showed character. We showed poise when we went down to low going on the road. In that game three, um, you know, that meant a lot to me this season. <clears throat> Obviously, it got us to this next round. But uh, like I said, it's all, it's all about this year. Um, 
And now we got to see what what we could do this year to, you know, hire our chances of winning in this next round. And you've often talked about um, building championship habits and going through not only the highs, but the lows. When you go through all the things that you guys have gone through this series, how does that help a team try to get to that championship from your experience? I mean, you just you just know to keep faith, um, you know, uh, you know what you what you have gone through um, at times when, you know, we, we are at our worst and, you know, you could, you know, I guess propel from that, uh, dig yourself out of a hole that you put yourself in, um, you know, it just gives you that confidence, I believe. But um, that being said, this is this is one series and we have to focus on the next one. Thanks. Owen. We got time for two more. We'll go to Tomer. Hey, Kawhi, congrats on the win. Uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, Terrence. After game five, he had that kind of layup that he probably should have taken that he passed up, and I see uh, he's kind of down on himself. Just what was the last couple of days like for, you know, in terms of his confidence building coming in and, and really, um, you know, helping you guys out there on the court ever since that, that game five sort of mm-hmm. blunder he had? <clears throat> when did you see that he was down on himself? Well, after, after he passed up the shot, he kind of grabbed his head like this, and PG tapped him on the head saying it was all right. Um, I mean, I think I, I don't think he was really down. I mean, obviously, it, it was a learning experience for him. But uh, that being said, uh, you know, we just stayed positive with him. He was he was still positive. He wasn't walking around sad, talking about the same shot over and over. Uh, we all have these have those mistakes, um, you know, throughout our whole career. If, even if it's a game seven game, or if it's uh, you know your first game of your. Uh, you know, NBA career. So it's just about, it's about moving forward. Um, you know, it probably won't be the last time, uh, you know, he's going to think he should have did something, you know, uh, it's, it's the game in basketball. We all think that uh, what it could have, should have type of moments. And uh, it's just about moving forward and, and making sure you uh, are, are smarter in those situations. Thanks, but, And the last question we'll take from Ramona. Hey, Kawhi, you know, you had a, a really interesting answer, I thought, the other night when Rachel asked you about your experiences in previous Game 7s or experiences of big playoff moments, and you said you really don't think about the past. Is, is you really How do you have confidence like that out there, the way I mean, you've obviously done this before, but you had it again tonight? Is it just staying in that moment but in, and really not dwell, going back to the past? I mean, it is, it's like that for me. Um, you huh. know, I don't know how other players think or people think, but... Uh, just for me, it's about the situation that's in front of you. Um, just because you play great in whatever nine game sevens, it doesn't mean you're going to play great in, the, in in game 10 and, you know, vice versa. Um, so it's all about the moment. Um, you know, sometimes when you're overconfident, you play bad. Sometimes when you're down on yourself, you play good. But like I said, for me, it's about focusing in that moment, having fun, and, um, you know, playing playing hard. That's it. This is, this is a game of basketball. All right, there's Kawhi Leonard as he leads the Clippers in scoring, and they knock out the Mavs 126-111. Now here's the head coach, Tyron Liu. Hey, Ty. Um, hey, I'm just wondering, just mentally, you know, it seemed like you guys never really got – when they got up, especially late in the game, did you need to say anything to them, or did they were they just mentally locked in all day? They were mentally locked in all day, and um, it was a total team effort. You know, um, having 30 assists, you know, in the game seven, 126 points. You know, Marcus making seven threes, Terrence Mann in the first half. You know, Luke Kennard coming in, making three threes. Nico, the way he started the game, you know, and then PG and Kawhi having 19 assists between the two of those guys. Um, it was a total team effort, man. And, um, 
you know, Reggie coming up big at the end and making some big threes for us. You know, like I said, it was a total team win. We wanted this moment. Um, it was a great test for us, you know, on making us battle tested going into the second round. Um, so, like I said, it was a great win for us. Thanks, Roman. We'll go, we'll go over to Mark Spears. Congrats, T. Thanks, Mark. Um, uh, wanted to ask you about um, Marcus, the game he had, um, what it meant to you guys to get to get sparked by him uh, for three-point range. It meant a lot. You know, we was getting shots all series that we didn't make, and uh, we kept saying time and time again that, you know, we're getting great looks versus their zone, versus their man, uh, PG and Kawhi, where they kept attacking. And we got open shots that we just didn't make, Mark. And um, we just told guys, just trust trust your work. You know, trust all the work you put in all season um, throughout your career to get here to this point. And, um, you know, like I said, Mark is the second, second leading three-point shooter in the league this year. So we knew he was going to make shots. We just didn't know when, but what a great time to make 23s. Um, in game seven. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. We'll go over to Andrew Greif. Hey, Ty, congrats. Um, you know, on one hand, you have a short turnaround and this is a pretty taxing series, but do you feel like having gone through this experience, the ups and downs, coming back from two deficits, this could be a, a good, almost like a springboard for you guys going into a tough series? Yeah, I think so. You know, just, you know, battle-tested, going to seven games in the first round. I'm coming out here, winning the game on our home floor, you know, which we didn't play well uh, the first three games. But it just shows a lot about our team, about the resilience, um, about what we've done all season long. You know, Luke Kennard and Terrence Mann, like I said, playing big games this year because of our injuries and guys being out. And those guys that come in and step in and play the way they did was huge for us. Thanks, Andrew. We'll go over to Ohm. Hey, Ty, uh, you said the guys wanted this moment. Um, how did today feel different than the last time you guys were in a game seven last year? I mean, how much were they just motivated to kind of get rid of that bad taste out of their mouth from last year? Um, uh, you have to ask those guys that. Um, but I know it was a tough series for us. You know, Luca put a lot of pressure on us, um, you know, throughout the course of this series, which we needed. Um, we was able to do some different things defensively that we needed to see and needed to do as well. So we got to get better with that. Um, but you know, last year was last year. You know, we talked about it. You know, when the season started, that's over. And uh, we got to look going forward. You know, we can't keep looking behind and what happened in the bubble. That's, that shit's over. So we got to do what we got to do. Uh, keep moving on and uh, getting ready for the second round. Ty, was there a moment today that you just kind of knew that these guys had it in them today? Um, I mean, I guess we had a walkthrough. Guys were locked in and focused. We've been, we've been all series. You know, we had to make a couple of adjustments after the first two games. And uh, we was able to go four one after we made those adjustments. So, um, you know, those guys have been focused all series long. So, you know, you get down 0-2 on your home floor and then to go into a hostile environment in Dallas where their fans was out of control, um, you know, and to come back and win 4-1, I mean, it just says a lot about our team. So they've been focused throughout the whole series. We had to make some adjustments and go from there. Thanks. Thanks. Go over to Law. Ty, speaking of focus – that third quarter did not exactly start really great for your team. You had to call a timeout, 75 seconds in, giving that three up to Hardaway after a bucket. What did you tell your team in that moment, and how were they able to turn it around from there? No, we just got to take advantage of this opportunity. You know, I said, you know, don't come out take bad shots. We can't turn the basketball over. And we got to get back in transition. But keep attacking. Don't get enticed by taking the three-point shots because they're in the zone. We got to get back to attacking the rim, attacking the paint, and then spraying out our open threes that we're open. So, um, just a little, you know, low coming out, you know, starting that third quarter. But like I said, they got back on track when we called that timeout and kept attacking and kept getting to where we wanted to get to offensively. 
Thanks. Go over to Tomer. Hey, Ty, congrats on the win. Thank um, you. Before game, game three, or after game two, you said uh, you thought Dallas' shooting would come back down to earth. It did. Before today, you said that you think you're finally going to have a good shooting game. You did. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts on Utah. What, what's going to happen there? What are your thoughts on that series as well? I mean, <laughs> can we enjoy this one first? Um, but, I mean, we know they're a tough team. You know, they made the most threes in the league um, this year, you know, per game. And um, Donovan Mitchell, um, who's, who's, you know, who's a snake of that that team. But they got just got a, you know, great coach in Quinn who does a good job. A lot of movement. Gobert, who's an anchor in the middle. So, um, I'm going to go look at it today, you know, try to get as much done as I can today and tomorrow and just kind of go from there. But right now I haven't had a chance to really lock in on it. Well, let me ask about Luke Kennard then. Uh, he kind of came in, gave you guys a big, big boost after not playing the first five games. I just, what, what really, did you see anything in game six that led you to believe he'd be really successful in those minutes? Yeah, we knew he was going to make shots, you know, but the biggest thing was concerning was just the defensive part of it was Luke on the floor and um, how they play. But in game six, I saw he had great shows on Luca. Um, he was able to guard Brunson, got a big steal, got on the floor and got a steal for us to get out in transition. So I knew defensively he was going to be a problem after I saw that in game six. And the way we were shooting the basketball, I thought we just needed to insert, you know, another shooter in the lineup, especially with Kawhi and PG drawing so much attention. So game seven, you know, it was the same thing. And he came out and made three threes for us off the bench. Miriam? Hey, Ty, congrats, man. Thank you. Um, hey, so obviously it's not looking back, um, but looking forward, um, it, 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 and obviously you have a great challenge in Utah, but, but, and, and you have an ultimate goal beyond that, but what would it mean to you guys to kind of get past that second round to get to a conference finals considering that this franchise is history? No, it means a lot to, to win and keep advancing, you know, and you, know, you play this game, you prep all season long to get to this point, to get to the playoffs and produce. So like I said, first round was a tough series for us. Um, you know, we were battle tested now going to game seven, we know we go to Utah where they have a great fan base and it's tough to play there, but you know, I think our guys are locked in. You know, I think Dallas really did a great job of preparing us for the next series. And we'll take one last one from Vincent. Hey, Ty, when you guys were down 30 to 11 in game three and you guys took, you know, you guys took that time out, was there any panic in that atmosphere? You talked about how wild the crowd was. You're down 0-2. They jump on you. Do you think the last maybe week or so has revealed some character about this team? Did you learn some things that maybe you didn't know before all of this? Yeah, a lot of character. And um, I knew because we, we showed it all season long when guys were out. Um, but like our coaching staff, you know, we did a great job just staying poised. You know, Chauncey, Chauncey Bills has done a great job, you know, working with PG and, you know, just because PG's been playing mostly point guard for our team all year. So, you know, just showing him different ways to to make different passes, different reads. And, you know, just our coaches that Kenny Atkinson with the player development with Luke Kennard and Terrence Mann, those guys getting work in every day. You know, Roy Rogers, Dan Craig and Brendan O'Connor defensively, um, just being able to make adjustments, make sure our guys are prepared. And then, you know, Larry Drew, you know, what he does for me offensively has been great. And, you know, of course, you know, Jeremy Castleberry, what he does with Kawhi. And just our, our, our approach, I think, every single day of you know, having a worker's mentality, I think um, – having a calmness to us, you know, not getting rattled, you know, being poised when things go go wrong and things are tough for us. And our coaching staff has done a great job of doing that. So um, I think when we came to the timeout down 19, uh, we never got rattled. Guys would just say, we got to clean up our mistakes, keep attacking and keep chipping away. And we were able to do that. There's the Clippers head coach, Ty Lu. All right, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear from Quinn Snyder. 
Jazz coach meeting with the media after the Clippers advance, taking a few questions, and uh, his seventh anniversary. Seven years to the day that he's hired as a Jazz coach. He finds out that second round, Jazz and Clippers. We'll get to Quinn Snyder next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz are going to face the L.A. Clippers in the second round of the playoffs. Clippers knock out the Mavs. That was a 1.30 game. It wrapped up, I think, a little after 4. And Quinn Snyder was on a Zoom call with the media at 5 o'clock. And talking about the Clippers, the challenges they present, um, some of the issues, you know, the preparation. The Jazz have had a lot of time off, which is good because it's the rest and it's the, you know, get healthy thing, especially with Mike Conley. But for whatever little injuries guys have that we don't hear about and they try to keep quiet, you know, don't tell somebody the wrist is uh, sore because guys just start hitting their wrist, right? You got a problem with your shoulder? Here, let me hit your shoulder. So they keep all that stuff uh, as quiet as possible. But a few days off, so you get the legs back, have the energy, feel as good as possible. Um and then preparation, you know, you can prepare for what you do, but it's hard to prepare for what they do because you want to fill the player's mind with a bunch of stuff for a team they're not playing. So after that game ended Sunday, that's when it starts to get serious. And then also you hear at the end, Quinn Snyder asked about uh, Ben Anderson, who does uh, used to do jazz pre-half and post, comes on our show occasionally, uh, asked Quinn to reflect on seven years. And he throws in a number, 2.3. He says, you throw out the high and the low, and, you know, don't worry about the interim coaches who are given three months or whatever, and, and then he lowers the number by throwing out guys like Popovich and, you know, have this massive run, right? But he thought that 2.3 years, that's, you know, two and a third years, that's about what you get as an NBA coach. So he's at seven years. He's pretty quickly, he's going to be one of those guys that young coaches throw out when they do the math on this kind of stuff. Like, yeah, never mind, don't count Quinn. And it's funny because in the early days, I know Quinn was really worried. I mean, like in the first month or two, he's really worried about his job. It was uh, well known inside the organization. Uh, because he started out really poorly, he's just worried. You know, you're out there. I forget what it was, three and fifteen or five and eighteen or whatever the heck it was. It was bad, um, you know. And it's kind of like, well, are they gonna make a change? It's just so not the Jazz way, right? It's just Dale Miller isn't just gonna isn't gonna do that. Everybody knew the roster wasn't very good, uh, but he was pretty pretty wound up about that. I heard that from uh, multiple people inside the organization who made no sign, no no um, no secret of it. Um, but he got through that in the second half of his his first year as a coach. They had a good run at the end of the year. And happened again the second year and they missed the playoffs, but Rudy had been out hurt. And then uh, and then they were off and running, you know, in into the playoffs five years in a row. Those first two years they didn't make it, um, but they finished strong both of those years. So the arrow's been pretty consistently up with Quinn. All right, here he is talking about the second-round matchup. It's the Jazz and the Clippers starting Tuesday night, tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. Here's Quinn Snyder with the media. Thank you. So uh, maybe if you could just begin by kind of speaking generally as to, you know, some of the challenges that uh, Kawhi and, and the rest of the Clippers present. Well, how much time do you have? <laughs> the, uh, they're a team that, you know, obviously 
all teams watch each other throughout the course of the year. Um, you're familiar with, you know, those two guys, obviously, in particular, and the things that they're capable of doing. Um, I think sometimes because they're such great players, um, there's a tendency not to talk as much just naturally about um, some of the other guys in their team. And, you know, even a guy like Mann coming in and the impact he had in the series, what Morris did today, hitting big shots, Kennard coming in and making big shots, Batum defending. Um, you can go down the line, Patrick Beverly, his ball pressure um, and his competitiveness, you know, Zubox, what he does. Um, they're, they're just a, they're a very, very good, excellent, well-balanced team. And they present problems in a lot of different ways. They can play small, which, you know, they've done a lot against Dallas. Um, they can play big, um, which we've seen before too. So um, we've got our hands full and that's, that's what you expect in the playoffs. But a team certainly that, you know, we're well aware of how good they are and, have tremendous respect for them. Um, you know, what Ty's done um, throughout the course of the year, historically, the way that he's managed teams in the playoffs, you know, they've got a great coach. We know they'll be really prepared and um, we've just got to try to do the same thing. Tony Jones, The Athletic. Um, coach, in, in the matchup with um, the Clippers in February, they closed – with a lineup with um, Marcus Moore Sr. Uh, at the five. And that mm -hmm. was a, one of their dominant lineups in, in the series against Dallas. Um, how impactful is that lineup uh, going? Does that lineup have a potential to be for the Clippers going forward in this series? And, and how do you guys deal with it on both sides of the floor? Well, that, that's why, you know, that's why you study teams and you scout teams and, Certainly, you know, as you said, the, the way that they played against Dallas, um, the way that they spaced the floor, you, you have, you know, the top three point shooting team in the league. You know, they make them at a higher percentage than anyone else. So they're able to put five guys out there that can all make shots. Um, and then they have other guys that can create shots. So um, there's a lot of things that go into that. You're going to end up giving something up. Um, certainly, you know, they know who we are um, and you can anticipate a lot of the things that that will go into that with different adjustments that teams will make to try to either exploit what they perceive as weaknesses or, um, you know, accentuate strengths. So um, without getting too deep into the weeds, you know, suffice to say we were, you know, we know what that game three was like. We know what it was like down the stretch and how they played, how they spaced. Um, you know, and then saw, saw their Dallas series. They watched, they watched our Memphis series. They've watched the games that we've played. And, you know, I'm sure between now and Tuesday, everybody will be watching some more. So um, again, that's, that's the playoffs and, you know, you're not going to be able to take everything away. Um, you just have to, you know, to a certain degree, play percentages, try to make things hard and be prepared to adjust at given times. And, you know, those adjustments are never completely black and white. They involve timing. Um, they involve preparation. So, you know, again, you usually know more as the series progresses and you make some assumptions on the front end and you go from there. All right. Next up, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. 
when they made so many changes in kind of who they played during that series and including today, um, it, how hard is it knowing that, you know, they do have kind of 11, maybe even 12 guys that could rotate in there and kind of being able to teach your players kind of all the things that they need to do to defend those guys in, in kind of the most intelligent way, I guess. Well, you know, personnel is always a big part of your preparation, you know, knowing different guys' tendencies, I think. Um, their depth certainly, you know, makes them unique. You know, you saw again um, what what man did, um, you know, in a couple games, the way that he impacted the game uh, on the glass defensively, banging some shots. Um, I thought what Luke Kennard did, you know, he missed a couple in game six and he obviously he, he's confident and he should be. He's, he's an excellent shooter. Um, certainly. Um, you're just, we're familiar with their personnel. It doesn't matter if there's two guys or five guys or 10 guys. Um, but part of your preparation involves um, digging deeper. And I, I think it also involves combinations um, because when certain guys play together, um, that creates different looks on the floor. So um, that's another thing that you, you have to be aware of. And, you know, the playoffs, you know, I won't say come down only to matchups, but certainly matchups are a big part of it. Um, and you're going to have what you consider to be um, better matchups than others. But that that's, you know, hopefully we have, you know, some advantages there at certain places as well. And um, but as far as just knowing their personnel, I don't I don't I don't think the fact that um, they have depth and that they they are playing different lineups and different guys that um, there's no danger that we're not going to be aware and prepared that anybody coming off the bench is going to catch us by surprise as far as what that they're capable of doing. Um, that doesn't mean we're always going to be able to prevent it from happening. Um, but at least you can think about it and, you know, educate your team. And we've got guys that, that study um, and some of that is collectively and some of that's things that they do on their own, which we always encourage as well. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Quinn, how valuable were the last few days and you know, the five days that you have in between the series, not only, I guess, for like rest and recuperation for Mike and Donovan, especially, but also for that preparation to give the time, like, you know, players time to watch that film and scout the teams. It, from a preparation standpoint, it, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword because, you know, up until, you know, an hour or so ago, we didn't know who we were going to play. So it's hard to kind of go down a rabbit hole with, you know, either team in trying to predict, you know, who's going to win um, and how you would game plan, you know, against Dallas versus against obviously the Clippers. Um, that happens more, you know, with, with, with our staff, you know, and trying to be prepared to the extent that you can, um, you know, before the tipping point occurs and you dig down even deeper. So, there are some things that, you know, you can focus on yourselves um, that you feel like may be applicable no matter who you play and anticipate some of those things, which I think uh, is something we've tried to do. Um, you know, the first round we were in a similar situation where we played a team in Memphis that, you know, had played some very competitive games prior to um, essentially game sevens. Um, and we had been rested I thought we didn't have quite the level of continuity that, that we wanted in that first game. Um, so that cuts both ways. Um, sometimes timing and continuity and rhythm can trump, 
uh, rest. Um, obviously, there's there's a balance there. Um, to the extent that you're able to practice, that that becomes challenging, frankly, at this point in the year because you're, you know, you're conscious of making sure that um, everybody's healthy and at their best. So, um, as I said, I I think you can see it from both sides, and you just try to do your best balancing those two things, and you know, and then taking advantage of you know tonight and tomorrow and um, Tuesday morning to to try to prepare more specifically, you know, for the Clippers. And Anderson, KSL Sports. Quinn, uh, a little bit off topic, I guess, but seven years ago, you were hired today. Where do you, I mean, what, what do you look back on fondly and kind of this, this journey you've been on with the Jazz to, to where you are now? Well, I, I remember trying to get to the Atlanta airport to make a flight on the last flight out so I could be in. Um, for the press conference the next morning because Greg Miller had to leave town and it was pretty important for me to, to get there. I was, you know, I was hopeful if I didn't make the flight, I'd still have the job. Um, but I do remember that moment in the afternoon. I just had my hip replaced. Um, so needless to say, it was, it was a long flight. Um, someone reminded me of that today, actually. Uh, I didn't know it was... Um, today, seven years ago today, but you know, it makes you, you, you feel, you feel gratitude that you one, um, got an opportunity and two, um, that you've been able, um, with the support, you know, of Dennis Lindsay and the Millers and, you know, now Ryan Smith and the staff and the players, you know, I think anytime you're able to coach for, a number of years in this league, you're, you're really fortunate. I, I do remember, you know, going through the, the list and adding them all up and factoring out the top and the bottom and coming to 2.3 years. So when it was halfway through my third year, I figured I was, you know, I was doing okay after that. So I don't know that anybody could anticipate being somewhere for an extended period of time in, in this business. So it makes you feel really grateful that, you know, you've been around people that that have really allowed you to have a certain level of success that that has continued to provide that opportunity. And that, you know, that's that's your players. You know, that's Joe Ingles and Rudy and Donovan and, you know, now JC and Boyan and Fave. And, you know, you, you go through the, you know, the, I thought about Joe Johnson the other day when, you know, when I found out that when we could play the Clippers. Cause I, I remember that team. And so again, you just, I think, I think you're grateful as much as anything. And, you know, it's the same thing. We, we, we try to tell our team, you just can't take any year, any game, anything for, for granted that, you know, you never know when opportunities uh, present themselves. And that's certainly the case on, on a broader scale as well. All right, there's Quinn Snyder, seven years in the books, and what lies ahead? Forget the next seven years. I think we all want to know about the next seven weeks. <laughs> two weeks for the second round, two weeks for the conference final, two weeks for the NBA final, one week for the party. Is that how it's going to play out? How is it going to work? The top teams won as expected in the first round, with the exception of the Hawks beating the Knicks, but these top seven teams that have the um, – had the home court in the higher seed, the seven teams that had the best net differential for all you analytics fans, they all advanced. And the Hawks' numbers were all skewed because the Hawks were terrible. They made their coaching change, 
and Nate McMillan comes in, and they've been really good ever since. So they ride the Knicks out and actually beat Philly in game one yesterday. So we'll see. The Jazz have the best record. they got the best net differential. Are they going to do it? Are they going to do it? Is Donovan Mitchell going to be the clutchiest of all the players in the playoffs? Well, we'll get a little clue uh, with game one tomorrow night. All right, we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us. Studios. This is 97.5-1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Turn to the experts. Carrier. Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5-1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag Utah Jazz. Leonard against Marjanovic, far side corner, baseline drive to the rim. Kawhi Leonard! A building, breaking jam! Another one from Kawhi at Porzingis to the poster list. George top of the key to Leonard on the left wing against Jalen Brunson in the 2-3 Dallas Mavericks zone. Driving middle, gets past Brunson, pulls up from 10, and he got the roll. Kawhi Leonard with 28. And the Clippers knocked the Mavericks out, 126-111. So it's Jazz and Clippers Tuesday night. PK, now we know. Now we can really begin obsessing. You put a question up on our Facebook page, and people are full-on obsessing. Excellent. Well, let's put up a shut-up for the Jazz. I mean, beating Memphis Grizzlies was nice, but nobody cares. I mean, the only way it's news is if you lost. And so now the Clippers are viewed as... a great team. This point differential apparently is the is the rage. I, I'm, I'm glad I finally caught on. But if you want respect in this league, which is what they've been striving for, you've got to beat the Clippers. This is no excuses here. I, you can argue strongly <clears throat> that this is the de facto, and I don't even know what de facto means. It just sounds really cool that <laughs> this is the de facto Western Conference Final. Even though it isn't, it should be. I don't know what de facto means. I don't know where it comes from, what the origin is. I don't know. I've never understood German, so I don't know about it, but I just know that you could argue. German? I don't know. Did you hear what I just said? <laughs> well, you said it was German. I don't know. Yo no sé. Spanish. You name it. I don't know. So, this is it now, right here. You got to win. They do, and the Clippers have the rep, although the Clippers, well, I guess they've been one round further than the Jazz a year ago. So that's what they've got. Who gives a crap about last year? I mean, no, it's it's Ty Lue is the coach. Kawhi Leonard has that's won two, two titles, right? and Ty Lue's won one, and he's been to conference finals, NBA finals, blah 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 blah. So it's all of that. Expect a long series. That's what the Clippers seem to play. Just one in seven, lost in seven to the Nuggets last year, and lost in six or one in six against the Mavericks last year. They play long series. Expect this one to be a long series. We'll get to your worries, the things that stress you out about the Clippers. We'll do that next. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Now Trey dribbles back towards the lane. Trey in the lane. Little jumper. Foul line is good. 
Trey Young, 29 points. They've whacked him. They've hacked him. They've doubled him. They've tried everything. He's got 29, and the Hawks lead by 22. Trey way out there with it. They double him again. He dribbles out of it. Now he steps back, drives the lane again, goes all the way through, goes under the basket, brings it out the other end, turns and shoots a right-hander and scores. Trey had them running around like whirling dervishes, and they couldn't stop him. We were supposed to run a play, and he wasn't in the spot, and then I looked at him. He was grimacing, so sucks it sucks it sucks out because I, wa- I want him to be out there i know how much he cares i know how much he wants to be in this moment it sucks i you know wish he just uh, him a speedy recovery we're going to keep him involved as, as much as possible but it's just a bad break kevin durant talking about james harden's injury the opening minute of game one of their second round series the nets went on and won without him he limped off the floor right hamstring tightness He's not going to play tonight in Game 2. Bucks and Nets, 5.30 tonight. The PK, they got a lot of firepower, and they've been playing with two of their big three for most of this season anyway, so it's not that unusual. It's not unusual, but it's usual in that the injury issue is a major factor upon these NBA playoffs. One star after another, and he is the latest. Before that, you heard highlights as the Atlanta Hawks beat the Philadelphia 76ers, Joel Embiid. We know about the cartilage damage. We've been told about that in his right knee. He went out and played through it. In the regular season, he was criticized for missing games and not playing through stuff and always being hurt. And whatever was going on with his knee, he still had 39 points, and it wasn't enough. The Sixers get beat by the Hawks, 128-124. Trey Young came out and lit them up early. He did? Yeah, he's, just, he's been on a phenomenal run here. He's a great player. 35 points and 10 assists. I think he had 24 of them at the half. Little fellow, but he's finding ways to get it done, man. They're going to have to make adjustments and not let him go off. You'd think Philly, with their size and all that stuff, should be able to have a better handle on this kid. But they don't. No, they haven't, and they didn't. Tonight, Game 2, Nets at 5.30. Nuggets and Suns, Game 1 at 8 o'clock. They're both on TNT tonight. Ready to see if the Suns can do it? You talked about de facto championship. I'm sure that would make everyone in Phoenix shake their heads since the Suns were just a game behind the Jazz. Not to mention Coolidge. And beat them three times. Where is Coolidge? (laughs) Which small town in Arizona are you referencing now? I don't know, mountains or desert? I'm going to go mountains. No, you're wrong. Desert? Central Arizona College. Uh It's a really good athletic junior Have a good junior college athletic program. Mm -hmm. Um... it is out east of, uh, or north of I-10 I- on the way to Tucson. But they put it, it's literally, that's the only thing there. And it would be like a, like a big L or a 90 degree. So they put it 10 miles away from Casa Grande and 10 miles away from Coolidge. That's the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it is. It is. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> wow. So it's in between the two communities. You follow me? Yeah, I do. It's yeah. uh, That is really the middle of nowhere. So, like, at the top of the L would be Coolidge. At the bottom would be Central Arizona College. And then at the end of the bottom line would be Casa Grande. So it feeds into both. Although, uh, a lot of people from out of state, because they got dormitories and everything. Uh-huh. There's one kid who played baseball at Judge a number of years ago. I think I drafted, went down there to play. I can't remember the kid's name, but he's a really good athlete, obviously. So, I actually have a person I know from college who is from Coolidge, Arizona. Yeah. And they had a really good football program back they did. in the day. They were a junior college powerhouse. Uh, Coolidge, that was Coolidge I was talking about. So, uh, 
There, there you go. Everybody in Arizona. But I think people view this nationally as the jazz, the winner of the Jazz Clippers is the favorite to go to the final. And the Jazz are favored in the West. They're favored in this series. The one I saw at the MGM, anyway. I was going to ask you by how much, but the way they do that always confuses me and I don't get it. So you probably couldn't explain it to me. But to the people who understand how it works, do you have any recollection of how much it was? You did that whole plus 240, minus 160 or whatever, I don't know. Yes. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, but I know to some of our listeners it does. Well, yeah, they were they were favored pretty good to come out of the uh, West, as you say, East, but come out of the West. All right, coaching carousel, Lakers assistant Jason Kidd, rumored to be Damian Lillard's favorite coach to replace Terry Stotts in Portland, has renewed, removed his name from consideration for the job. Drama in Portland. Who will it be? Was coaching really the problem? Or are their bigs not good enough? Great backcourt, and how's that front line working for you? Well, yeah, you can get whomever you want as coach. Uh, I don't know that that's a big issue. And it's important, obviously, to have a good coach. But you've got to get players. And Portland is just running in place. I mean, they're the hamster on the wheel, aren't they? Yeah, if anything, they flipped back a little bit because they were in a conference final a couple years ago. Uh, yeah, I think that was circumstantial. It was certainly a strong side of the bracket, weak side of the bracket, and they came to the weak side. Yeah. But nonetheless... I, I don't know if they're any worse than they were a couple a couple years ago. They're a good team, but they're stuck being a good, good team. team. How do you be a great team? Yeah, they got to get better bigs. Orlando Magic parting ways with Steve Clifford, so Orlando job is open. Well, that's a massive rebuild. They sold Again. off everybody. Yeah, back to square one. And who else is open? There's a third job open, and now I'm blanking on it. But 10% of the league looking looking for head coaches. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. He's back, baby. Booth Gotch is going to return to the Utes. Craig Smith getting two transfer portal commitments. Booth Gotch, who played here, left, went to Minnesota, is coming back. And Dusan Mahorczyk, I hope I'm pronouncing his name even borderline close to something accurate, uh, Illinois State. So he's going to join. He'd been pursued by BYU in Texas also. So is this a case of you're at a small school, you play a little better, hey, let's go try the big time? I have no idea about this kid. (laughs) Come on. I know about Gotch because we saw him, and I can remember last year, Oh, he wasn't that big of a deal. He was going to be out of place. We got Jones. We don't really need this guy anymore. And then a year later, yeah. hey, we got him back, baby. <laughs> so if you or the ones or any of that I group delete that, some tweets. that said, oh, well, it's not that, you know, I mean, it's not that big of a loss. <laughs> then it's not that big of a pickup. Yeah. And if you, if you want to go from the media perspective, just follow the paycheck. I mean, and you'll see where their allegiance is. It, it there's always a direct line that way, and I don't, I don't blame it. Everyone's got to look out uh, for their own financial well-being, and if they think being a homer is the way to go about it, so be it. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Tennessee Titans get Julio Jones. They send a 2022 second-round pick and a 2023 fourth-round pick to Atlanta in exchange for Jones and a 2023 
sixth round pick. Falcons, they get a lot of cap room. Jones is making like 15 million. His cap number's huge. Uh, Titans didn't have to give up a first round pick. That's what Atlanta was asking. But since no one was giving it, they settled for a second round pick. No reason to let this drag on all summer, I guess. So they got something for him. They sent him to the other conference so they don't have to deal with him a lot. Now we'll see if he can stay healthy and have a huge impact for the Titans. They got a great run game, so when you got Derrick Henry there, you would think play action and throw the deep ball. We've seen Julio Jones hauling plenty of 40 and 50 yarders. Oh, I've seen him. He's down by the schoolyard. Sweet. Got it. Julio down by the schoolyard. Well done. Yeah. Green Bay Packers president Mark Murphy writes, the situation we face with Aaron Rodgers has divided our fan base. There's a monthly column that's posted on the team website. Rodgers could face fines upwards of $90,000 for skipping OTAs this week, but the team could give him an excused absence. Depends on if they want to pour more fuel on the fire. Or do they want to draw a line in the sand? I don't know. I'm checking out on this. (laughs) TJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Reyes delivers, and Winker swings and sends one high and deep to right field. Going back on it, Rondone at the wall, leaps, it's gone! Winker's third home run of the game, and it puts the Reds back on top, 8-7. to seven. Hendricks has the sign. Here's the pitch. Swing and a miss! White Sox win. Congratulations, Hall of Famer Tony La Russa. Career win, 2,764. He's getting hugs from his coaching staff. He now is in sole possession of second on the all-time list. He has the most wins by any manager with a winning record in the history of Major League Baseball. You got to put in a winning record. That way, uh, Connie Mack doesn't count. Tony Russo now second all-time. He don't count? Well, he's number one in wins, but he doesn't have a winning record. And it's the Philadelphia A's for a half season. Well, how does it not count? You just obliterated the Mac family. If I were them, I'd be hurt. Well, then don't just say most wins. Don't say most wins with a winning record. Because he has the most wins, but he has a losing record. Uh, Yeah. And Tony Russo is a thousand wins away, so he's not catching him. Uh, you, You get bogged down in stuff, man. Major League Baseball, Giants lose to the Cubs. Patrick Wisdom homer twice. Cubbies beat the Giants. Padres don't pick up any ground. They lose to the Mets. Dodgers fall to the Braves, 4-2. Atlanta took two out of three from the Dodgers this weekend. So Giants two games up on the Padres and three up on the Dodgers there. Also in there, you heard Jesse Winker hitting three home runs as the Reds beat the Cardinals. He's done that twice this season. That's his second three-homer day? Yeah. Yep, he's done it twice. Logan Gilbert picks up his first win. Mariners beat the Angels. Mariners just kind of hovering around 500. They're going to be in that West race. They're just going to watch Oakland and Houston disappear over the horizon. Well, there's a wild card available. They are very beat up at the moment, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, you just got to hope they get healthy. If they get healthy, look out. Nope, not even then. If Jim Presley comes back and is able to play like we know he can and Edgar Martinez unretires, they're going to be something. 
Giants third baseman Evan Longoria will be out four to six weeks after suffering a sprain left shoulder in a collision with shortstop Brandon Crawford Saturday in a 4-3 win over the Cubs. In the ninth inning, PK, that was a nasty collision. See, outfielders collide a lot. You don't usually see infielders running into each other like that. Correct. You blame it on the uh, on a shift a little bit? Were they a little more crowded than usual? I blame it on midnight. Okay. Fine. Oh, blame it on midnight. Oh, shame on the moon. DJ and PK. Golf. Patrick Canley wins the Memorial. Did it in a playoff. John Rahm had a massive lead Saturday after shooting 64. He was 18-under and had a six-shot lead, and then they notified him. Tested positive for COVID while he was walking off the 18th green. He withdrew for the tournament, and that set us up for a playoff How on Sunday. How stupid was that? Them's oh, the rules. Should they have changed the rules? Yeah, he's outside. I think he was vaccinated. Wasn't that true? Uh, There's conflicting reports on oh. that. He, and he could have carried his own clubs or have the the caddy throw him a club. And I don't understand. <laughs> I really don't understand Toss what's, me that going, six iron. what's going on here. But, you know, I'm It's not, the rules they put in place, and maybe they should have updated them as people got vaccinated. It's like you said, Yak, was he or was he not vaccinated? The latest word is he, he was one of the guys who was not vaccinated. Uh, so I don't know. Well, and he had no symptoms. Obviously, he didn't. He was leading by six. Can't use a clubhouse, dude. Okay. Okay. Don't use it, man. (laughs) How many of us have gone behind a tree? All right. (laughs) (laughs) It was interesting to see the uh, FanDuel and some of these other sports books actually paid him out as the winner, even though he didn't finish the They may not have won. But he had a pretty big lead. Six stroke, and he's an emerging player. And he's a sun devil. He is. Yeah. Yeah. He came over not knowing a word of English. He said he uh, learned it by rap music and television. So if he learned it by rap music, you know, he swears a lot. But we're not supposed to acknowledge that. I get it. That made you uncomfortable the other day when I was reading those rap lyrics. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Why were you uncomfortable? It was what Damon Lillard said he listened to. Yep. Why would that make you uncomfortable? Certain mocking quality to it. Like you don't? You relate to that? I don't relate to that, <laughs> but that's different than mocking it, and you know it. What's the difference? I just want to put it out there. This is that's these are the, what this generation is growing up listening to. You are de- you were de facto mocking it. I and stand. It, I'm not trying to plead innocent here. Okay. <laughs> You're trying to assign me something that I assigned myself years ago. <laughs> I don't know why? Why did you feel all uncomfortable? Because I don't know where you're going next. Wherever I needed to die, I was going. I know, at, right? It was live. <laughs> there it is. Now we agree. But <laughs> oh, but no, well, we don't agree. I don't understand why you're uncomfortable. So that that that's the issue. I mean, I was reading it live. I think it, that needs to be out there. We need to. You need I to know what your kids there. are listening to. I think it is out there. Then why are you uncomfortable? Because why are you going there? Because it's out there. If it's out there, Damian Lillard brought it to our attention. Why would I ignore it? I wanted to know what was Damian Lillard thinking. 
That's not what we were discussing. With That's Lowry what I was discussing. Because is he going to stay? Is he going to demand a trade? Because we just said Portland's going nowhere. So when I saw that, I had no idea what that tune was. I don't listen to that stuff. I'll be the first to admit it. If that makes me an old fuddy-duddy, fine. I'm guilty. I don't care. But I wanted to know where he was coming from. That's why I read those things. What is he going to do? He's a premier player in this league. Is he going to be available? What would be the price tag? What would be the price tag for somebody like Damian Lillard if he becomes available? Does Portland want to make him available? I would would think no. He's their best player by far. I would think no, because if you trade him, you're going to lose the trade 99 times out of 100. Okay, but the Jazz did the same thing. They let their best players, not to the caliber of Damian Lillard, with Al Jefferson and Paul Millsap. And here they are, several years later, on top of the world. So do you have if to do tra- that? If they trade him, they need to get back a young player and what's a draft pick that looks like it should be a high lottery pick. Can't really guarantee those things. But I think that's where they have to go if they're going to trade Lillard. That needs to be the price tag. A good young player and a high pick. So looking at those rap lyrics were fascinating to me to see what that young man's thinking. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Mark Madsen, UVU basketball coach, former Laker, three-time NBA champion, and he will talk NBA playoffs with us coming up at 8 o'clock. We'll see what he thinks about the Clippers and the Jazz. See what he thinks about the Lakers getting eliminated so quickly. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider at 9 o'clock. Coming up next, the question of the day. All about the series that starts tomorrow night. What concerns you about the Clippers? We'll get to that next. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. General Manager of the Utah Jazz, Justin Zanuck. Quinn said this is a different team than a year ago. What's different about it? Obviously, a lot of different events last year forced us to learn some hard lessons, whether it's accomplishing what we did in the bubble and not getting to where we wanted. Having Jordan for a couple training camps, Boyan's return from injury, Mike getting acclimated and getting to know us and us adjusting to him. All those things just took a little time. And the character of the group, the resiliency of the group, had a lot of challenges this year and had some really good responses from those where maybe a less experienced team would have been a little more rattled and they've come through great this year so really proud of them and the growth they've shown catch the big show weekdays from two to seven presented by big o tires the team you trust on 97.5 1280 the zone in the zone sports network hot takes or toast is brought to you by jerry signer cadillac check out the bold new lineup at jerry signer cadillac it's definitely not your grandpa's cadillac jazz and the clippers question of the morning what concerns you about the clippers I think there are a couple obvious things, but there's probably a whole list of them you can go down to. But at the top of the list, guy is right there with Kawhi Leonard. He's my only concern. Other than that, it's going to be awesome seeing the Jazz and Suns in the Western Conference Final. Scott says Leonard is the only concern, but they are the Clippers, so dot, 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 dot. Dot, 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 dot. Four dots. Not the traditional three. They got a bonus dot. No, you got to get to four. Okay, it's best four out of seven. Yeah, Yeah, I like it. So you need four dots. So there it is. Kawhi Leonard. Jonathan says Kawhi. Last two games he's playing at a, quote, all-time great, close quote, well, level. That? And that's uh, always Friday scary. night was just amazing at game, the end there. Wow. Game six. Yeah, he was unstoppable. My Man on a mission. Goodness, that was so impressive. We're not going home. That's why I'm a sports fan. You know, I couldn't care less who won the series, so I don't have any rooting interest. I rarely do. 
but watching him play and make those shots, and he knew it, and everybody else knew it, everyone in the arena knew it, he was just as blistering hot as could possibly be. He had complete and total confidence. I don't believe in that little segment of the game that he was ever better as a basketball player at any level, ever. He had it going on, especially when you factor in the circumstances and an elimination game for them, and it was just sensational. Uh, and he carried it over to a good degree. Uh, but Dallas is basically a one-man team in terms of one star and a bunch of role players. Uh, and, and the role players are pretty mediocre. Uh, at times, but they're role players. I mean, at times they're not. That's why they're role players. I mean, if they're, by definition, role players are mediocre. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, Tim Hardaway, Tim Hardaway Jr. was pretty good in that uh, Friday game. He, you know, he sucked yesterday. He did. <laughs> He's a role he player. Big time. And Porzingis gave him nothing in that game six loss. He's a, seems like he's a role player too. We thought he was a star because he was in New York, and if you do anything in New York, it's overinflated. That's and he's seven three and coordinated. Okay, great. But he's, he's disappeared. He's okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to write his uh, eulogy as an NBA player just yet. He's you know, He missed a whole year plus. He's injury prone too, so we'll see. But Dallas needs to be better. The point I'm making is Jazz are way better. They've got a lot more weapons. They have the opportunity and the possibility of being substantially better than Dallas. And that should cause the Clippers issues. But at the same time, if the Kawhi Clippers shoots, are substantially better than Memphis. If Kawhi Leonard shoots 72% and scores 45 points, you're going to have a problem. Yeah. But that this is a second round. You can't have a cakewalk. Nope. The, the thing about it is that the Clippers clearly negotiated to get the Jazz. This is who they wanted in the second round. They didn't want to face the Lakers into the third round conference final. They didn't know about Anthony Davis, obviously. But... They sat, uh, Leonard sat his customary 20% or 20 games in a regular season. Uh, and Paul George, I think, sat 18. Didn't they lose to Oklahoma City late? I mean, Oklahoma City would be hard pressed <laughs> to name guys on their team outside of Dord because he lit him up here uh, that one game. Moses Brown. Yeah. Moses Brown. He, he, you see Los Angeles? I think so. Yeah, he's been in the G League though most times. Uh, yeah, I, and I can re- I can recall some Pac-12 players because I obviously watch that conference when it comes to basketball a lot more than I do the other conferences. Uh, so clearly, they negotiated and maneuvered. They can say all anything that they want, but, but they you, lost six of their last yeah, ten, so, and they're way better than that. Yeah, I mean, the words are nice, but if they're not. Uh, in sync and in harmony with actions, then you're going to go with the actions more than the words. (laughs) Words only matter if they're consistent with action in terms of truth. All, I mean, words matter. There's no doubt about it. But I'm saying when a person or somebody, an organization makes a statement and says, oh, no, we didn't do that on purpose. Well, when you see all the losses that they compile. They lost lost six out of ten, and then that loss to Oklahoma City in the finale, they didn't play Leonard, they didn't play George, they didn't play Batum, and they didn't play uh, Morris. So they're they're basically sitting in the whole starting lineup. You play Rondo. You're sitting Nick Batum. You know something's up, man. So the battle of France between Nick Batum and Rudy Gobert. 
mispronounce all the French names. It's just a de facto. It's a de facto national insult. Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. So what? Okay. Au revoir. Or river a. Okay, Evan Fournier. How are you gonna pronounce that one? Well, he's got to do something first. Uh, Evan Fournier. I think Fournier. It's Fournier, right? Yeah. If you if you carried it out, yeah. I mean, one of my favorite musical artists is Jimmy Buffet. What concerns you about the Clippers? So Kawhi Leonard is popping up in a lot of these posts, and you know, from a lot of people who watched Game Six and Seven and saw Kawhi Leonard drag the Clippers across the finish line. But the next thing that we hear from people, uh, Randy says, what concerns me? Nothing. If the Jazz hit shots and defend, they'll be fine. Quote, if Conley is ready to go, close quote. A lot of people worried about Mike Conley. How much is he going to be able to play in this uh, series? Kurt Farnsworth says, Conley's injury and Clarkson jacking up threes. They don't have a chance to go in. Jazz won two out of three in the regular season against the Clippers, for whatever that's worth. I think there's a lot of asterisks to hang next to it before you hang a lot of value on it. There's a whole lot of, well, but this, well, but that. But Conley did have 33 against the Clippers in the first I, game. I, I look ahead. I don't look behind. I, I, I just don't know why looking behind is going to benefit you. Is Conley going to light up the Clippers again? It goes to your point about the Jazz have all the depth, and you pick your poison, and who do you not put an elite defender on, and does that guy go off? Okay. And Conley went off on him. I mean, 33 points and season high. Great. It's a big game. Again, I look ahead. I don't. But are they not going to have, are they going to lose a weapon right there? Which will impact well, their bench. Because then Joe Ingles is going to move into the starting uh, line. You're, you're not, if, if you don't have Conley, you don't have Conley. <laughs> it's so, what, what, you going to quit? Doesn't matter. This, this, is, this is the no excuse time of season. It's true. But then we always go to injuries and give people I'm excuses not. anyway. Lots of people hand the Lakers an excuse for injury. And, great. And also hand them their morning coffee because they don't have to get worried about, worried about getting ready for practice today. So you can use it as an excuse if you want, but it doesn't matter. They're gone. You're either in or you're out. And I don't put Mike Conley on the level of Anthony Davis. You know, what I don't see here is I don't see anybody worried about Donovan Mitchell. Why would you be worried about Donovan Mitchell? Well, you're going to get clutchiest Mitchell. Yes. Because clutch is good, but you really need clutchiest. I told you the guy's a B.A., man. Well, then what is there to worry about? In terms of Mitchell, I don't think there's anything to worry about. Is he ready to go for 45 points on 72% shooting and match quality? Does he need to? That's the question. We don't know the answer to that. I would... See what the conditions of the game and the complexion of the game are like, but is he capable of doing it? Absolutely, yes. This guy's got it, man. He has got it. I don't. I to me, we call the it factor in quarterbacking. If he was a quarterback, we would say it. Move it on the scale of basketball, whatever that it factor is. We you know it's more of the quarterback position we use that phrase for. But he has got it. So he's. If I'm worried about him, well then I got no chance. I mean, he's literally the least of the worries. If I rank the, any worry relative to the Jazz, he literally is the least worry that I have. There's nothing. You are a man of you are the man of the people because I started that by saying I don't see anybody worried about him. I mean, I even worry about Gobert more 
in terms of what do they do? You got Zubak and uh, Cousins and all of that. They play those guys and Abaka, who's been hurt. You know what do they do? Or do they go, go small. with Morris? Morris has been in and out of the lineup, but obviously yesterday he had the threes going on, which was great. Love to see those role players make shots because they're not going to continue it. <laughs> Use them up now, guys. <laughs> Law of numbers is going to be. Apparent. They are role players. They're role players for a reason. Not that I'm downgrading role players because you need role players. You're not going to have five stars, particularly with the salary cap and all that stuff. You literally can't afford it. You need role players and you need those. That's the great thing about the Jazz is they got a bunch of role players so they're not reliant like the Mavs you brought up Hardaway. Well, you know, you pretty much need him to be good a lot for them to be. Uh, able to win games, and that's not who he is as a player. So the Jazz, they can bounce around. I mean, Dangles didn't score a point. I don't know. He scored two points in the whole series last series. It didn't seem like he was much of a factor in terms of scoring. He can contribute in other ways, certainly, and Quinn Snyder pointed that out. Uh, but at the same time, he can go for 20 in this next game, too, and so can a whole bunch of guys. And Bogdanovich is has the ability to be a an upper-level role player, meaning he can go for 30. And if he goes for 30, it's not going to be just a breaking news story that none of us saw coming. And same thing with Clarkson. Clarkson's going to score. The three-point thing has become, uh, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's become a, a certainly a talking point because he's going to score, right? He can do all those moves and all, and he's like a magician and everything. But how efficient is he going to be? But if he's, he's hitting getting, the th- that's why if he's hitting the threes, right, he can get his twenty points on twelve shots and just crush it. He could also get twenty points on twenty five shots, and you know you might be able to might be able to win with that. But you if he hits his to- threes, he's going to score in bunches, man. Yes. He's got so many moves down low when he when he comes in, they ought to play that song, the Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> that guy can dance. Well, you can tell by the way I use my walk. I'm a woman's man. No time to talk. You know what I'm saying? Um, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah I do. <laughs> what was his name in the movie? I don't know. That's what they should that's what his nickname should be, man. This guy's got so many moves down low. And he's like, your eyeballs are going dizzy because he's moving in 15 different directions at the yeah, same time. But the best part is when the eyes are out and he turns into an assist machine because he can get guys easy shots. Because everybody does is scared of him getting okay. into the paint. Defenses do collapse. Well, that's part of the game, too. Sure, yeah. I mean, he can do that and not be the one who puts the ball in the basket. It could be other guys. Absolutely. But the point is, if he's hitting the threes, and we all like, that's the barometer. Is Jordan going to be hot from three tonight? Because if he is, let's celebrate. Because he's going to get his points the other way. He's going to get to the free throw line and do all that other stuff, right? So we're just looking at, is that three, is it going to clank or is it going to go in? And if it goes in, all of us can just start breathing <laughs> easier. Well, he'll hit four in a row. That'll be 12 points and four trips down the floor. Get a couple stops and it's a jazz run. Well, Add water and stir, baby. Insta run. If he's hitting four threes, if he's, you tell me tomorrow night, four threes, Jordan Clarkson, you take it right now, yes or no? Yes. Okay, is there, is there any worry that with, with good old JC, if he's hot, that means, oh my gosh, look out. Because if he's going to take 12, but he starts out 4 or 5, is he going to take 18 now? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> the assists were piling up late in the year. So I think that that gives everybody more trust in him. Because the ball is moving. He's going to get his shots. That's what he's there for. It's why they traded for him. So I don't worry that much about it. But when the whole defense collapse, uh, collapses on him and Tony Monero can't find any room on the dance Is floor name? in the key. Yeah, Tony Monero. Okay. I never would have got that. I wouldn't either. I looked it up. <laughs> so if Tony Monero can't find any room on the dance floor, if, as Quinn likes to say, if the eyes are out, he'll find three-point shooters. And he Good. got more comfortable with that late in the season. And he started piling up these you know, three, four, five assists a game. Important. Yeah. Because I think a lot of those assists, he's probably throwing a few lobs to every once in a while to go bear, right? He's getting somebody an easy dunk once in a while. But mostly, I think he's getting guys three-pointers. So you look at four assists and think, oh, that's eight points. It's probably 10 or 11. That's where I think they have the potential to miss Conley. I thought Conley at the lob with Gobert at the rim got so good at that. And that was just the... uh, the familiarity with each other, I think, over the course of time. And once he got that with Rudy, that became so effective. His scoring obviously is important, but I think they have other guys, if they're making baskets, that can overcome that. Uh, I love the way you talk about eyes up, that Out, Mike had that, well, up at the rim, I'm thinking. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, in terms of. I hadn't heard that, but I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you're, you're looking up and. Knowing that, hey, I got a little bit of space. There's Rudy. He's coming from the right side, left side, whatever it is. And I just put the ball up there and I look up. And I thought Conley has gotten as good as anybody on that team. Joe Joe knows how to do it, but Joe's a lot off the pick and roll on the bounce. And Rudy is cutting to the basket uh, and gets a bounce pass in rhythm and goes up and stuffs it. Whereas Mike puts it up there. And you know it's going down, and he's gotten so good. So that's an aspect that if Mike can't go. But they list him as day-to-day with a mild strain. So I don't know that that means he's going to be starting and playing 30 minutes. And I don't know that means he's going to miss five games either. Right. So I have to see how it plays out. But if Jordan is hitting his threes, you know what that means for the Jazz? You know what they're doing? What are they doing? They're staying alive! He hit 10 three-pointers in five games Who in, that, did? in that first round series. Jordan? Jordan Clarkson, stop. He had one game where he hit four. One. So when you throw out four, four is a big number for him. I think That's he, why I said I that. The other I wasn't going to say one or two. <laughs> I think the, uh, the other thing is see how often he gets to the free throw line. I think it's underrated yes, because yes. He, the threes do lead to runs and because he is Tony Monero there in the, in the key, and so it's exciting to watch. And free throws aren't that exciting, but they're super efficient and they're just a killer for the other team. And he's an awesome percentage free throw shooter. He is. So the more he gets to the free throw line, he did not miss a free throw in the first round series. 21 in a row in that series. He's a stud. Yeah. So get him to the line. All right, DJ and PK. Uh, PK and I have something in common uh, that we didn't really have in common until this weekend. Speaking are you a stud too? I'm going to tell you what we have in common coming up next. That'll just take a minute, and we will continue with your list of things that you are concerned about as the Jazz get ready to play the Clippers, and we'll do that next. Stay with us. For the Utah Jazz. Get out of the way. Round one is done. Got it! As Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and Mike Conley sent the Grizzlies pack. Donovan! Now it's on to round two as the Jazz make a push to an NBA title. I live for the hunt. I live for it. Won't stop. 
till I get what I want. I don't care what it takes. Yo, Ingle! Jordan Clarkson! Hear every second of every moment of Utah Jazz playoff basketball. It's all about survival. Right here on your exclusive home of the Jazz. 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The Zone Sports Network. Flex, Rudy, flex! DJ PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Summer LASIK Sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-2080. That's Davis Vision. You know what you and I have in common now that we didn't have in common last week? Uh, wow, you got lucky? I love the way you did that. <laughs> You, you, you tripped him up on that. Well, because if I say no, then it's he right. Ah, it was brilliant the way you phrased that on short notice, right? Well, yet he was nervous about where I, the rap lyrics because he didn't know where I was going. When do you ever know where I'm going? <laughs> oh, actually, a surprising percentage of the time lately. It's starting question. to freak me out. <laughs> Why am I thinking like PK? No, what we have in common now is we both hate the University of Arizona. You've done it for a long oh, time. I just started Santa doing Barbara, this weekend. Beat him in baseball. They beat him twice. They're in the same regional. Well, they were a top seed, though. Yep. UCSB had no problems handling the Big 12 in Oklahoma State. 14-4 and 13-3. Get out, Cowboys. You're done. But then uh, Arizona just shut their bats down. 4 to nothing and 5-2. to two. So, send them packing. That's true. Yeah. Pac-12's got a, uh, a couple more teams hanging in there. Man. Oregon State's playing today to see if they get to a super regional. It's time to make a coaching change in, in Tempe. Yeah. Four times in a row, he was uh, in the first round deal and he didn't get out. In the regional? It's time to make a change as far as I'm concerned. Although, uh, not that people care, but uh, last year they only had, uh, what, four rounds and they had seven guys. Last year was the year, including the number one pick, but we know that there was no Omaha last year, which sucks for those kids. Yeah. Oregon and uh, Oregon State are both playing as double elimination, and they're down to it's one game winner take all now. Both teams have one loss. So maybe the Pac 12 will get a couple more teams through there. All right, let's get back to the question of the morning. The Jazz. What concerns you about uh, the Clippers? Already the Jazz are being disrespected. What happened? I look at the LA Times today, and your hero, Plachke. My hero. Hiskey, the, the, the columnist for the sports, has been there for 100 years. Histories against the Clippers, home court advantage against the Clippers. Likely more than 90% of Los Angeles basketball fans are against the Clippers. You know what? Bet on them anyway. Bet on them big. It says here, this first-round fright was the series, and this Game 7 brilliance was the win that will eventually catapult them into the NBA Finals. There it is. Taking down the Jazz and the Suns. The Clippers have never been to the NBA Finals. The Clippers have never been to a conference final. Disrespect, man. Yeah. Credibility. Oh, man, I hope the Jazz stomp them. <laughs> 90% of LA is, is against them. And you think that's fair? The Clippers now have 10% of the market there? If you let oh, 10 basketball fans. winners, yeah. so I would say more. Oh, really? Yeah, there's 8 Because the Lakers people. have such a hold but on I mean, the town. But, no, that doesn't matter. I mean, you just need enough to make money, and they're making money. Well, yeah, it's just it's the NBA in L.A. I mean, people have been going to Clipper games to see the NBA, better seats, cheaper prices. Uh, yeah, that was a long time ago. But, uh, I, but the fact is, see, he thinks he doesn't respect he the Jazz. He thinks the Jazz are getting beat. 
Yeah, this is the de facto. And to he the doesn't point respect he can write sons. about it yeah. without really even mentioning them. They're going to lose. Bet on them big. It says here, this first round fright was a series that will eventually catapult them into the NBA Finals. As my father once said to me many times over, <laughs> is that his? That was always that was always how he started his dismissive takes. Yeah, let a little air out. I can still see his face. <laughs> <laughs> that was his big thing. You knew where he was going if he started with. <laughs> <laughs> I knew when I opened this story. That's why I was trying to get in like computer here. To, to be able to read oh, it. Oh, to get into Clippers, get yeah. a new computer, get a few more free articles? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And so I knew, I knew darn well when I asked you guys how to log yeah. into this computer that once I opened this, this was precisely what I was going to read. Dismissive. Yeah. I, I knew it. I just, I absolutely knew it. I don't, even though the Jazz are favored in Vegas, I just don't think that people think they're all that. They think that the bottom line here they're is regular they think they're season, a fraud. Yeah. They're a regular season success story, but so what? Under yeah. the pressure of the playoffs, yeah. they will wilt. Yeah, and that's why Memphis, some BFD, yeah, that didn't do anything. That's the 8th seed, ninth seed. Yeah, they weren't even the 8th seed. They were the ninth. They were the ninth seed that took advantage of this greatest thing ever and that got, somebody concocted. Yeah. They got no veterans. They got no playoff experience. Not happening. People, rally around us. How irritated are you? The Los Angeles Times. (laughs) What? When we come back. Get get on the freaking line. I'm furious. Mark Madsen. who's got L.A. connections. He does. He better come through for us. I'm never talking to him again. UVU's men's basketball coach, the former Laker, plenty of playoff experience. We'll talk playoffs with Mark Madsen next. Stay with us. DJ PK brought to you in part by SNS Roofing. SNS Roofing is your locally owned roof repair expert for a free quote. And for all your roofing needs, call SNS Roofing. Time to welcome back Mark Madsen, UVU men's basketball coach, former Laker. He joins us now to talk a little NBA playoffs. Mark, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. So, Mark, how were the first round picks? Did you nail it? You pick all the higher seeds, you pick a bunch of upsets, and now you feel like you don't know what's going on. No, I mean, look, the Lakers are out, so so you guys know I didn't nail it. <laughs> <laughs> but but look, Phoenix played well. Obviously, the Clippers are, are playing at a high level with Kawhi Leonard uh, playing the way he is. So it's been it's been fun to watch. It's been fun to see just the, the guys that have elevated their level of play during the playoffs. Speaking of that elevated level of play, you've been there. How much does the intensity and everything ratchet up between the first and second rounds? Because that's where we're at now. It definitely ratchets up, number one, from the regular season to the first round, and then on to the second, on to the conference finals. It just gets more and more intense every time. The stakes are higher. There's more pressure. There's just more pressure, and that's that's kind of where you see how how players and, and teams deal with the pressure. I've been incredibly impressed with the Jazz, with the Utah Jazz, and, and how well they've played, how well they've looked. Um, look, there was a scare early on with Memphis. Ja Morant, you know, played had a, had a great showing throughout the series. Uh, that that early loss that the Jazz had, but you got to give a lot of credit to the Utah Jazz for the way they bounced back and. And played so well against Memphis. 
I'm always intrigued by what you say about pressure. Not just you. I mean, lots of people say about pressure. You know, and suddenly, someone who sits there and shoots 100 free throws and makes a really high percentage, now it's the exact same thing, but now there's pressure. So, man, the arm is wavering, and they shoot at 13 and a half feet, or they shoot at about 17 feet and slam it off the backboard. And these crazy things happen. But there are other people who look at pressure as opportunity, and they get excited, and it's like, it's the best. Of course there's pressure, because there's, there's an opportunity to do something great. And you can walk into a locker room and probably go, that guy's nervous, that guy's nervous, that guy's fired up and excited, that guy's nervous, that guy's excited. <laughs> and like, how co- why is that? And can you talk people who are nervous into letting that go and being excited? It's not about, hey, you're going to fail. Hey, you're about to succeed in a big way. That's awesome. <laughs> the this, this sports psychology of basketball or of any sport is fascinating to me. Because I honestly believe that most players get have some level of nervousness before every game. I, I remember the first time I started in the playoffs, we were, I, was, I was playing for the Lakers. And I, Bill Jackson had me starting against the Timberwolves, and I was guarding Kevin Garnett. I was nervous. I was nervous before the game. I think Shaquille could sense that. And he, he literally came up to me and he said, hey, don't try to do too much out there. Don't try to do too little. And, and, you know, just having, having a teammate say that to me, it, it helped me. You know, because the tendency when you play with a superstar is, especially when the pressure is high, is they're going to they're gonna do it. Just give them space. They're going to do it. But then if you're Shaq or Kobe, they, they hated that because then double teams could come, you know, sit in the paint, clog the lane, double team Shaq on the post. And, and they needed all the other players to step up. Um, and so – you know, you look at Mike Conley played pretty well in the playoffs, I thought. Uh, Rudy Gobert just is a dominant defensive force. It's been fun to watch those guys. And then, you know, the Clippers are fresh in my mind because of yesterday's game. I mean, Kawhi Leonard under pressure for two games in a row, game six and game seven, really stepped up his game. And so th- this series, with the Utah Jazz with the Clippers, is going to be a great series. I'm picking Utah. I'm picking Utah to win it. Uh Mainly because of Gobert. I, I think defensively, Gobert does so much on the court. And he just makes it so tough on other teams' offensive schemes. Okay, so Mark B., you're, you're a coach now, and you're going, uh, you basically articulated what you thought of the Jazz from the defensive perspective with Gobert, and it's hard to argue all that. But now you're, you're, you're Ty Lu. And I'm wondering what you think they do as far as who they're playing because they bounced around a little bit in the playoffs at the guard line. I mean, they had Beverly starred, then they didn't play him, and they put Jackson in there. So I assume Jackson is going to be the guy to, to get the majority of the minutes. But then their front line, you know, they got the Zubach. And he started three of the games, three of the seven. And then uh, Batum started four of the seven. Uh, and then you had... The, obviously, Leonard and George are going to play and play big minutes, but then Morris also started all seven. So as far as how much concern do you think that the, the Jazz should have, or from the Clipper perspective, should they go with the smaller lineup and have guys like a Morris who can shoot a three and Batum who can shoot a three and pull Gobert away from the bucket? What do you think is going to happen there, and how should each team approach that? 
That's a great question. If I if I'm the Utah Jazz right now, you're you're trying to figure out who the Clippers are going to start and which lineups they're going to go with. Conversely, if you're the Clippers, basketball is an interesting sport because from the coaching side, I've been on you know the Lakers staff for six years now as a head coach at Utah Valley. A lot of times, you go with what's been working. <laughs> you, you you see what's been working and you say to yourself, "Hey, we're not deviating from that." unless we have to, in which case we will adjust. If I'm the Clippers, a couple things. Kawhi Leonard has an unbelievable mid-range pull-up. And so if you do go big with a Zubak, you're trying to free up Kawhi a little bit for that mid-range pull-up because that's one of his best shots. But going small and really stretching the floor out worked incredibly well against Dallas. And so that's probably the direction I think the Clippers are going to go. Try to pull Rudy away from the basket. So one thing about coaching, and uh, you know, you kind of touch on it there. You know, you go with what is working, but you'll always hear coaches and you'll hear veterans say, "Hey, it's early in a series," because to a certain degree, these questions aren't any more answerable for them than they are for us. And so there's a little bit of, hey, let's throw some stuff against the wall, try this in this quarter, try that in this quarter, try this against their starters, try this against their bench, and just figure out what is working. I mean, that sounds super simple, but when I start watching games one, two, sometimes even three of a playoff series, I think that's what I'm seeing. There's no question that happens. There's no question. The decision that Ty Lue made to not play Beverly as much, that, that's a gutsy decision because <clears throat> Patrick Beverly, he can flat out play the game. He's a great defender. He's scrappy. He, he, he makes a difference. You know, you look at the Utah Jazz, you look at the, the, the three-point shooting that they have. I mean, the Jazz have done an unbelievable job of constructing that roster to, to have plenty of shooting. And then also the, the coaching staff has done a great job of putting the Jazz players in positions that, that allow them to, to be the most successful. You look at a guy like uh, Niang. I mean, Niang was bouncing around early in his career in, in the NBA. He, he might have played overseas a year or two. He, he was bouncing around. He never really stuck. And now he, he put together a good, a very strong season for the Jazz. He helped the Jazz a lot. Um, Royce O'Neal, kind of an under-the-radar guy coming out. I mean, give a lot of credit to the, to the Jazz organization for – constructing the roster the way that they have. From the coaching perspective, how comfortable would you be with what Quinn Snyder has done in terms of somebody like a Jordan Clarkson who has a green light at any time? And if the ball's going in, great. But if it's not, it's not like Quinn pulls back the green light. Is that a hard thing to do to just basically relinquish everything to the player in that way? I think that's part of what makes Quinn Snyder great. Some NBA coaches, they try to hold those reins so tight. They hold the reins too tight, and it stifles the players. I coached Jordan Clarkson for a couple of years in L.A., and he's a guy, when he's in a flow, he's, he's close to unstoppable at times on the court. Now, the downside is, if, if he's not in rhythm, you know, when do you go a different direction? And that's the hard thing, but, but Jordan has put together – a tremendous body of work here with the Utah Jazz. There's no question about it. He's, he's earned the respect of – he already had the respect of everybody in the league, but it's, it's elevated. It's elevated. But that's part of what makes 
Quinn Snyder great is his ability to read a player, his ability to then put that player in a situation where the player can be the most successful to help the team. So I'm curious what you think because the playoff is about stars. And sometimes when it's happening right in front of you, A, you don't notice. B, you don't want to say it out loud because it sounds outrageous and you sound like a total homer. And maybe you sound like an idiot to some people. But has Donovan Mitchell hit a whole other level of stardom that can't be dismissed by the bubble, can't be dismissed really by anything? He's just... He's there, and what he did in Game 5 is something he's going to do. Nobody does it every night, but he's going to do it on a semi-regular basis, and people should fear him the way they fear other big-time stars around the league. Can the Jazz hop on his back? Here's what I'll say. Obviously, Game 5 was – I mean, Donovan has put together some incredible performances this season in the playoffs and and in the regular season. After he sat Game 1 – and, you know, he's coming back with major pressure. The team lost game one. He didn't play. There, you know, there was questions on what transpired. That's a lot of pressure. He came back that next game in game two and went off. He completely went off. That's hard to do for a couple of reasons. Number one, the pressure is ratcheted up. And, and number two, he hadn't played live reps in, I, I, you guys can tell me, in, in weeks. So it's very difficult to – you know, basketball players, we all know, sometimes to get into a rhythm, you, you have to have a few games under your belt. Look at the Lakers. Look at LeBron and AD. Those guys missed a lot of games, and, and as great as they are, they were never fully able to recapture their rhythm. Donovan came back and got into rhythm quickly, okay? Um, <clears throat> he's still a young star. He's still a young star. But, but I'll tell you this, we worked him out at the Lakers the year he came out in the draft. We worked him out. Everyone was incredibly impressed with him. The, the crazy thing is, at the time, everyone was projecting him you know, to, to, to go later in the draft. And so when the Jazz took Donovan Mitchell, I mean, I, I was personally curious because I was hoping we would find a way to trade up to get another pick to not only take Lonzo Ball, but to take Donovan Mitchell as well. So what did you see him? You saw him as a mid-first-round pick? Is that what you're saying? Well, the thing is, I think his workout was so impressive. You know, I, we were just all incredibly impressed with him. Um, you know, some players come in out of shape. They don't shoot the ball well, you know. Donovan came in in phenomenal shape. He shot the ball incredibly well. And, you know, when you're on the coaching side, you're so busy during the season that you don't really go out. You don't go out and you watch. You don't scout. You know, and so I think – you just don't know. Was it a one-off? Did he just shoot the ball so well? This one workout in LA with, you know, really no one else in the gym. You know, is, is he a guy that's a great workout guy, or can he can he have it translate over to the game? These are the things you don't know going through the draft process. And again, all those things are above my pay grade because I was on the coaching staff, not not the management side. But I, I, I think, you know, I was happy the Lakers brought him in and worked him out, and he impressed mainly because of his shooting and his professionalism. We're joined right now by Mark Madsen, UVU men's basketball head coach. You got the Nuggets or the Suns? That's right. I'm taking them two series at a time. You see where I'm going here? (laughs) I'll go with the Nuggets, you know, only because of, you know, the the Joker, Jokic. I think he's just, he's a a matchup nightmare. 
I, I think so I'll go Nuggets, um, but I think I think it'll go at least six games. As I look at this series with the Clippers and Mavs, obviously it goes to the limit and a lot of pressure, a lot of intensity. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard each average uh, forty plus minutes a game, so they're playing a ton. That's a lot of minutes. Do you have any concern, or maybe the Jazz can benefit if this series go long? That uh, one of these or both of these guys run out of gas a little bit. That you know, forty minutes is a lot of minutes to play. Those guys are getting beat up. They're carrying a big load. Um, obviously, they didn't get much rest between yesterday's game and I think, um, you know, obviously the start of the Jazz series. But the, the thing, the thing the Jazz have to be wary of is, and, and this happens every year. Sometimes the top teams finish their series early, like the Utah Jazz did with Memphis. And so, the Jazz right now are getting rest. You know, but you know, are they falling out of rhythm? And I only say that because it happened to us at the Lakers. We, we hadn't lost a playoff game at all in 2001. And, and we're getting ready to play in the NBA Finals. Being undefeated in the playoffs, which you know, has rarely, if ever, been done. Philadelphia with Allen Iverson, in contrast, they were going to game seven every single series. And so they, they had two days of rest, you know, something minuscule. Two or three days of rest. They fly to L.A. We had been resting for two weeks, it felt like. Phil Jackson at one point had given us two days off in the playoffs. I can't remember if it was during the finals or the series before. So we're rested. You know, we're feeling confident. They came in and they beat us in game one in the Staples Center. Probably because they were in the trenches fighting. They, they were in rhythm. They, they, were, they were just in rhythm. And we had been on rest for, for a week or ten days. They beat us. You know, and so that's what the Jazz have to be wary of is the Clippers have been fighting and – the Jazz have had the opportunity to rest. Look, we all know there's pros and cons to both, but, but that, I think that played out a little bit when Memphis stole game one from the Jazz. The Jazz had, had been on rest, and Memphis had the play-in game. So, we've been through all of this. You've got the Jazz beating the Clippers, right? I do. And you've got the Nuggets. So you got a Jazz-Nuggets Western Conference Final. Yikes. Uh, who have you got coming out of the East? The, the, the East, <clears throat> you know, I, I haven't quite formulated my, my, my thought on that yet. You know, I, I don't know. The, the East is more of a toss-up. I haven't seen those guys as much yeah. this season. Living on this side of the country, that's the way it works. So, from the college perspective, Mark, this has got to be a crazy summer. We know with football that recruiting is open and guys can meet on campus visits. Now with you guys in college basketball, the transfer portal is just outrageous. Coach Krzyzewski's talking about it, and, and as he's getting ready to retire, it's it's so, I don't know if controversial is the right word, but anyway, it's out there, and I know you guys have put out a press release. you got to transfer. You may get, may or may not get more. But for you particularly, uh, going forward here in June, What's the summer going to be like as far as as you uh, juggle all these things and uh, recruiting and your summer camps? I know you want to talk about the camps and all this stuff. How's all all of this going to play out for you guys at Utah Valley? Well, it's college basketball is is free agency now. I joke with some guys that have NBA experience, and they say the only difference between the NBA and college is that in the NBA you can actually – put someone under contract and know that you're going to have them for three years yeah. in college. This is a, 
this is a year by year free agency. It, it feels like, and you, you know, sometimes as a coach, it it presents some challenges because you want to build continuity. But I think it's good for the players, uh, for for the most part. I think it's really good for the players because it gives the players freedom to explore what's best for them. Um, and so I'm always going to err on the side of what's good for the players. Um, now, the, the only downside for the players is this. I mean, sometimes if, if you can transfer so easily, you never go through those difficult moments with teammates, with a head coach, with, with a program, because you're just out of there. Hey, I'm out of here. It's, I, I don't like X, Y, or Z. I'm out. You know, and, and, and there's, I think, some drawbacks from a personal development standpoint, just how easy it is to go. But when it's all said and done, I'm happy the players have the freedom. And I think it's good for the players. Um, you know, we do have our individual camp coming up next week. And, you know, I'll just give a little plug for it. It's, it, it's, it was awesome two years ago. And all that information is on gouvu.com. Or I put a little link in my social media bios for that. So if anyone is looking for a great summer camp for kids and youth, um, please check us out. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Co- Coach K retired. I-, I think we all thought Coach K was going to stay in the game. I mean, you feel like he's going to be there forever, a- a- and he's out. Um, but I think college basketball is still in a great place, uh, e- even with uh, all the changing landscape of it. So your camps, boys and girls, uh, ages what? Yeah, but boys and girls, r- really um, kind of the third, fourth grade, all the way up to senior in high school, and so that's kind of next week, and, and that's a great chance to learn skills, to come out to have some fun. We also have a very – we have an elite camp later in the month for guys that are that, – that's a men's only camp that's for hardcore players that, that want to be – that want to get to know us more. Guys of, like, my ability then, what are you saying? Well, we got your spot reserved. <laughs> <laughs> Next time you talk to Dennis Lindsay, ask him about PK's buzzer-beating hook shot. It was, it was, it was absolutely Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Peek over the right shoulder, swing left, hook right, splash, and then he literally ran to the door and ran out the tunnel. There's a little Bo Jackson mixed into it. I love it. You got to have the flair to it, but that—that's an unblockable shot right there. <laughs> get, get that one over Gobert. Hey, you get that over Gobert, you—you you know it's real. <laughs> he trains. I defend him, and I've got a broom that I hold up in the air. That's how he's getting ready for the one-on-one with Rudy Gobert, which will be pay-per-view, by the way. Just in case you're wondering. <laughs> All, right. All right, Mark. We appreciate the time. Good luck with the camps. Good luck with the transfer portal, and uh, we'll see how your picks go. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Take care. Okay, Mark Madsen, the former Laker, now the UVU men's basketball head coach. What do you say? Go UVU.com if you want to join his uh, Yeah, check out, check out the school website. That's how you get to uh, – that's the best way to get to Next week for kids and then camps. down later on in the month for a yep. higher-level player. Go UVU.com. Go UVU.com. It's good to see them uh, – be good to see them – Continue to get better and be a be a force in the whack. It only adds to it. More teams, more tournaments, more tournament births. Give your antelopes some competition. Yeah, yeah. Give Grand Canyon. Yeah, Grand Canyon. Uh, uh, they're they're a good program. I did I did attend Grand Canyon College. It was at the time huge huge uh, jump that they've made over the years. That's for sure. Because it used to be a NAIA back in my day. They always had a good baseball program. 
but now basketball. Just because there were a few players, <laughs> a few players in Arizona to scoop up? Well, in the weather. Yeah. Uh, they sent guys to the uh, big league. Tim Salmon played for the Angels yep. when they won the World Series. Yep. He went to Grand Canyon. All right, there's Mark Madsen. We're going to talk hoops with Steve Cleveland, get his playoff picks coming up 9 o'clock, see what he thinks about the Jazz and Clippers. we got a media member tweeting out gambling odds, and they're different than what you were telling us earlier in the show, PK. So we will we'll dive into that next. DJ and PK, what are the gamblers, people putting money on it? What are they saying about the Jazz? What are they saying about the Clippers and the Suns and the Nuggets? And we'll do that next. Stay with us. For the Utah Jazz. Get out of the way. Round one is done. Got it! As Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and Mike Conley sent the Grizzlies pack. Donovan! Now it's on to round two as the Jazz make a push to an NBA title. I live for the hunt. I live for it. Won't stop till I get what I want. Won't stop. I don't care what it takes. Yo, Eagles! Jordan Clarkson! Hear every second of every moment of Utah Jazz playoff basketball. It's all about survival. Right here on your exclusive home of the Jazz. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The Zone Sports Network. Rudy Flex! DJ PK brought to you apart by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Summer LASIK Sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-2080. That's Davis Vision. So you mentioned earlier in the show, yeah. you saw some gamblers' odds, gambling odds, where, I don't know, Vegas, Mesquite, wherever you were. It's like MGM something. Okay. So uh, what were they? I don't remember now, but I just You don't saw remember it. the number, but who was the favorite? And was it for a series or to go to the NBA Finals? Well, I had seen earlier the Jazz to get out of the West, and then in this particular series, so both. Okay. So do they have the Jazz as the favorite? Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, Andy Larson at the Trib has just tweeted out, I can't go to the website. Uh, I'm just going to assume he got it right here. Bovada's Western Conference champion odds, Jazz plus 125. So if you, have to, if you bet 100, I guess you went 125 bucks. Clippers plus 220, Phoenix plus 300, Denver plus 800. The Gamblers running away from the Nuggets. But there it is. Jazz. Yeah. Favor to go to the NBA Finals. Yeah, they are. It's like you said at the uh, top of the 7 o'clock hour. Here it is. Pressure's on. Now it gets juicy. Grizzlies, not juicy. Uh, that's just expected. You're one, they're eight. You're supposed to take them out. They got no playoff experience. So That, that, did, that was dog bites man. Yeah. You did what you were supposed to do. Congrats. Now you've had a couple days off. Now it gears up. Because Kawhi Leonard, championship pedigree. Two trophies. And he played like a champion in the first round. Shooting 62% for a series is outrageous. This is the marquee playoff series still remaining in the playoffs right now. Yes. And that is why they're playing Saturday night at 6.30 on ABC, network TV. Only game going. It's getting spotlighted. It's not getting buried at... No, no. Yeah. It's not getting buried at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Yeah, I'm That's where game one was yesterday for Atlanta and Philly. Completely geeked for this series. I hate the freaking Clippers. Thanks, David. <laughs> I hate the freaking Clippers. They're LA. That's good enough. I mean, they're barely LA. Now, Bill Platchkey is saying that they're resilient and deep and this and that. He just totally disrespects us. The freaking thing hasn't even started him. I mean, it's, it's, it's not even 12 hours, basically. And, and, and right now, we're getting all sorts of disrespect heaped our way. I've had it up to here. I'm <laughs> done with it. Okay. 
This ball club had the best record. Two All-Stars. Three All-Stars. Dare I say four? Probably I shouldn't if I want to be accurate. Thank you. And being trained by Walter himself. If I'm Jazz fans, not, I'm fired up. trained by Walter himself. How many classes did you take from Walter Cronkite? No, one of the professors, Walter Kemp. Okay. <laughs> Walter Davis. Walter Davis. Give me fans Walters. <laughs> Come on. This whole thing here, man. If I'm Jazz, I'm irritated. All right. Troy, one of our callers just called in and said the Jazz are minus 135 favorites to beat the Clippers. Yeah. There it is. So you get a bet 135 bucks to win 100. Is that Correct. how that works? Okay. So how dare he come out here and say that they're <laughs> going to the finals? How dare he? Yeah. You mean Jim, Jim Plasky, <laughs> Bill Plasky. So dismissive. Jeez. When are we going to get respect? When you get there, and not a second sooner. Well, then why did the Clippers get it now? They haven't gotten there. Because Kawhi Leonard has been there. Oh, BFD. That's it. Yeah. That's and the so, reason. And that so he wrote an East, a weak East conference, and then had all sorts of injuries to uh, the Warriors, and then he was on the team with Timmy D. Come Duncan, on. Ginobili, and Parker got their last title, and Kawhi Leonard was there. That's... <laughs> Like Mike Smirk. Did he get a title when he was with the Lakers? <laughs> Who is that tall dude who Chuck barely played? Nevitt. Chuck Nevitt. Thank you. <laughs> Chuck Nevitt's got rings and Charles Barkley doesn't. Which Chuck is better? <laughs> I knew you were going to go to Chuck Nevitt. <laughs> I couldn't. I didn't even think, I couldn't even think of his name. Oh, well, we, but we all, oh, all see him. Towel draped across his shoulder, standing at the end of the stash. Yeah. 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 All right, let's go, guys. <laughs> go get him. Yeah, so all he did is do is block views of people be sitting behind him. Uh, come on, why why would I give, give the Clippers all sorts of respect and not the Jazz? Kawhi Leonard, that's it. And and the Jazz went out in seven. I mean, they've gone out in the first round two years in a row. And so people the Clippers expect- did that too. Clippers went out in the second round. They went in seven, I mean. They lost a 3-1, I get that. Yeah, well, yeah so they both blew well, the 3-1s to Denver. Doesn't matter. And the people who put money on it, who are the ultimate? They're going with the Jazz. Yeah, so why would you just summarily dismiss the Jazz here? The credibility of the Jazz is Because you're sitting in L.A. watching the Clippers. Because Plasky is watching the Clippers. That's why. Then turn the channel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you got me there. Not like in the old days when games, most games aren't even on television or tape delayed. <laughs> Come on, everything's available here. This is their opportunity to really establish who they are and their greatness. That's what this series represents. Because if they lose, it's going to be a See? roundhouse country literally spread across it. I told you so. So what happens see, if as you what happens if the Jazz, Mister? I see the future. What happens if the Jazz throw themselves all into this, win a long series, which is what the Clippers seem to play, right? The, Kawhi Leonard's been there for three playoff series with Paul George, and they've all been long series: six with the Mavs, seven with the Nuggets, and now seven with the Mavs. Right. So long series, Jazz totally throw themselves into it. They're exhausted. They win it, but they lose in the next round. 
I don't worry about that then. But I do think <laughs> I, I think that this series establishes their realism, their true, their truth. They will get respect for winning this series. Yeah. No matter what happens after that. It was like, okay, that was a good win. It, yes. Now you got to do more. You got very little respect <clears throat> for beating the Grizzlies. Supposed to beat them. You basically this, swept them. Everybody yeah. views it as a sweep. Once you got Mitchell back. Yes. You, and I did see people sitting on national TV say that. Yeah, they lost the game, but Mitchell didn't play. Right. And once he came back, you barely even trailed. I mean, it was almost wire to wire in all four of those games. Sorry, watchdog guy. They dominated that series. No, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> let them have that fun. I just, I'm not a Homer announcer was right. I'm not a hundred. <laughs> stop. <laughs> just, just stop. I'm not 100% uh, in with you on the Jazz to get a lot of credit if they win this series. What you oh, you're, they do. You're the king. You're the king of this, and you're going against yourself here. And I'm with the first version of you, not this second version of you. It depends on what the series they, looks like. Well, Sybil here a little bit. Yeah, everybody knows you would say that. That's true. I think the Clippers are representative team. I picked the Clippers to win it last year. Obviously, I was wrong. Uh, I think people lo- looked at their lineup this year and say this this is a, the most talented roster in the West. I think a lot of people think that. So all sorts of credibility. You beat the Clippers. Now, it's the, the Jazz aren't going to go crazy. They beat the Clippers. They're not dropping balloons. And and their, their reaction after the game, after the series, if it should come to that and they win, is going to be very similar to what it was in the first round. Congratulations. Uh, you, uh, You'd be happy. You guys played us tough. Uh, yeah. Appreciate it, you know, a little sportsmanship at the end. But I don't think you're going to see anything unless it's, you know, if it's if it's a swish, uh, Damian Lillard style to send the team <laughs> out. You know what I mean? Okay, so if Donovan hits something from 35 feet, yeah. and then waves goodbye. Well, you can get that in a regular season, some humdrum game, and if it's something. Well, like, remember when Bogey hit yeah, that the, shot the in team, Houston? They went nuts. Yeah, because it's the moment. Right in the that moment, was a crazy shot. Right, and, and I get all that. And he did it the same thing. He beat Milwaukee earlier in the year. But if they win in game six or game seven and they win by six or seven points. I don't think you're going to see that much emotion. It'll be Steve Steve Clarkey. What? Handshakes and high fives all around. And that's going to be just about it. As opposed to people jumping on scores tables or in each other's arms or something. Yeah. And if it's it's here, I don't think the crowd is going to go berserk. They're going to be happy. But I just, I just wonder process. if the and, and you got to see what the games look like and what people's stat lines look like. But I can't sit here this morning and guarantee you if the Jazz win that Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and whoever else goes off are going to have a whole new uh, rep across the country. I think they are because there's a chance it'll be my gosh, Paul George shot twenty two percent. Kawhi just couldn't sustain 60%. He can't do this by himself. No, no I think that's uh, limited. No, you can't go in and, oh, that was a gutty series and they did all this and they're resilient and they have uh, deep... Now, I think part of the deal in reading what I, what I just read here on this uh, column was about it's the jazz and we don't really believe in the jazz. So when you get halfway to the ultimate goal in the West, 
you're legit. There's no other way. I don't care if Paul George doesn't make a shot, which isn't that's going a, to be the case. That's a good argument because the West has been the better conference for a long time. Yeah. It's been deeper. You know, our eight of the top 12s in the league in the West. There's a lot of years you'll say yes, and this is one of them. Yes. It, it might even be more than eight of the top 12. Yeah, in the East there, Boston was was winning playoff series last year and the year before. They weren't really that good. We saw it this year. In the West, it's not the case. Jazz win this series. They've established the credibility in the eyes of everyone. I don't want to hear one peep. Not a peep out of you. One commentator who gives me a yeah, but. Their credibility right now is on the line. It is put up or shut up right now. That's the way I view this series. We learn everything we want to learn about the Jazz in this series. If we needed stuff to be learned. Some people do, some people don't. Well, I guess the people who are down there on those Vegas uh, odds going crazy, dropping large amounts of cash, you would say that they don't need anything. Exactly. I don't need anything. I've been saying for weeks that I expect this team to get to the Western Conference Final. And I expect this team to get to the NBA Final. I don't need yeah buts and I don't need anything. I believe in his team. I've been saying it. I've been saying it for weeks. And I believe what Ryan Smith has been saying. They're just getting started. Nice. Because they take care of biz, which I believe they will. I believe they'll get to the NBA Finals. Does it matter to you if Conley plays? Will they win this series if, if Mike Conley misses, I, I don't even know, two, four games, whatever? In the end, No. They'll win either way. I want him back, obviously. Sure. Clearly. But we've seen Joe Ingles a thousand times elevate his game. Right. And Locke brought up the whole two weeks is the least time he's missed. So if he misses two weeks... Well, that's the series. Well, except that it starts from walking off the floor in game one on Wednesday. So a week into it... Okay, that's the guts of the series. It it could be. But he could also be coming back and it's 2-2. And really, the long series just wouldn't surprise me. I, I don't I'm see. Sure. I don't see why it would surprise anyone. I there mean, may be people out there what, picking the same to end in five, but we've been saying how deep the West is. We've been saying how competitive the West is. So and, I, it, and it was. I, I know. And Jazz I expect, were the only ones to go in five, right? And that's why, right? And that's why I expect a competitive series and I expect this thing to go deep. Yeah. Well, no, no reason to expect otherwise now. I don't think. I mean, we, no. I mean, I want my, I want Mike playing. There's no question about it. But I'm sort of glad Joe couldn't uh, throw it in the ocean in the first round. Law of numbers, people. He's Even if you argue, oh, he, regular season Joe, is better than playoff Joe, I'll give you that argument if you want it. But I think that's true. But he's not falling off the face of the earth in the postseason. That's also true. I mean, I've I've heard so this he's going to respond. I've heard this argument enough. I've gone back and looked at the numbers to make sure I'm not misremembering, in the words of Roger Clemens, and he's not. He's a 38 percent three point shooter across essentially a half a season's worth of games. He's been in the playoffs four years. Now this is five. 
Right, so this is going to be his, what, his seven going into his eighth playoff series? Now, 38% in the regular season, I usually think Joe's going to shoot between 42 and 45% in a regular season. But you're playing better teams. You don't get to light up you know, the bottom of the league because they're not in the playoffs. So that all makes sense to me. I don't even think he had a bad series just going from the scoring angle, which is I know is what most people are looking at. If you go back and look what he did in the first two games, that's kind of what I think you expect and want out of Joe. 11 points one night, 14 another. That's on track with who he should be if this team's at full strength playing a good game. He gets a shot here, he gets a shot there, he's going to knock him down. He fools somebody with that okey-doke on, uh, on a drive, show the ball like you're going to throw it to Gobert and then pull it back and lay it in, hits an open corner three, that's what you expect. Now these last three games, he scored a grand total of five points. Good. That's to your law of numbers thing. Well, he ought to be getting back to who he, he is. He will. And plus, he's a Paul George irritant. So he's a PG-13 <laughs> irritant that turns into R-rated. Bring your earmuffs for your kids if you should be able to be fortunate enough to sit close. Does Paul George get the cold sweats seeing Joe Ingles coming? Or he's had lots of bad playoff series and he doesn't really associate it with Joe. Oh, but he's not thinking about that now because he's thinking he's back or yeah. he's ready to go. And Joe is going to get in his, under what? What's the phrase? Under in his, his head, head, I guess. In his head. Yeah. In his under face. Under his skin. Yeah. You just wait and see. <laughs> All right, DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Got more of your feedback coming up. We got a lot of people hitting us up on social media with their takes on the series, what they're worried about with the Clippers. We will get to that next. And we've got Steve Cleveland coming up at the top of the hour. He's about 15 minutes away. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. General Manager of the Utah Jazz, Justin Zanuck. Quinn said this is a different team than a year ago. What's different about it? Obviously, a lot of different events last year forced us to learn some hard lessons, whether it's accomplishing what we did in the bubble and not getting to where we wanted. Having Jordan for a couple training camps, Boyan's return from injury, Mike getting acclimated and getting to know us and us adjusting to him. All those things just took a little time. And the character of the group, the resiliency of the group, had a lot of challenges this year and had some really good responses from those where maybe a less experienced team would have been a little more rattled and they've come through great this year so really proud of them and the growth they've shown catch the big show weekdays from two to seven presented by big o tires the team you trust on 97.5 1280 the zone in the zone sports network and now really? your rocky mountain chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend really? leonard against marianovich far side corner baseline drive to the rim Kawhi leonard a building breaking jam. Another one from Kawhi at Porzingis to the poster list. There's a Chevy Strong play of the game. Kawhi Leonard carrying the Clippers into the second round. Noah today. 450 on the big show, and you can win fabulous prizes. Coming up, Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, is going to join us in just a few minutes. We've got a lot of people tweeting at us this morning about the question of the morning. What worries you? What concerns you about the Jazz and the Clippers? And Bryce is nothing. Jazz in six. Going to L.A., wrapping it up on their floor. Fine. What? What did they have, like 7,000, 10,000 there yesterday? Is that what it was? 7,000. Yeah. And we're going to have 18,442 or whatever it is. I don't know. You know what it is. 18,306. <laughs> I knew you knew. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, 
place is going to be electric. It'll be a beautiful evening tomorrow. Everybody will be out on the plaza beforehand. It's just going to be exciting. It's going to be the place to be. Right? We'd all agree with that. Right here in this building tomorrow. You're going to be going. The guys are going to be jacked. Mitchell is a big-time player. Whatever Kawhi Leonard can do, Mitchell can do. Sweet. Then he can win it all. Hoist the trophy. Well, I don't know that was... I guess he was in Toronto. He was the player. Yeah. But I still think he took it... And it's not, no knock. He took advantage of the injury to uh, the Warriors. Des- okay, but this, has been, this has been a year full of injuries, so you can just pick... I don't know. Maybe you want to pick Harden's injury. Maybe you just want Fine. to look at what's happened to the Lakers. But I, I, don't want, I don't want to discount what Kawhi Leonard has achieved. because That's not fair to him. But I believe Mitchell can do the same. I, I just think... He's got it. I'm a huge fan of his clutchness, his moxie, his attitude out on the floor. Mitch says, I'm concerned by Kawhi, and they can switch everything like Houston used to do. They go small, and we can't punish them for it. Why why not? Well... Thinks they haven't in the past, and you think Conley would be part of punishing them for it. If they're switching, he can take people off the dribble, just win his one-on-one matchup. And he and Donovan, that'd give the Jazz a, a couple guys who can do it. Well, if you go small, from the Clipper perspective, then I got Gobert to rebound. And throw alley-oops to. And get second chances. And third chances. And <laughs> just playing volleyball up above everybody's head. Hated that. Well, that could happen. I mean, it's just, you did, Quinn Snyder yesterday, I listened to, I got on, as I always do, get on his Zoom call yesterday at like 5.15, and we were eating dinner, so I said to the fam, sorry, I got, I'm listening to this, so mm-hmm. I had the phone on the table, <laughs> and as we're eating dinner, <laughs> we're listening to it, and they could hear it, uh, and it's like, all right, well, you know, it's basically uh, uh, you give up something to get something. Yep. Well, in that possible and getting something, you give up something. So it's a Clipper perspective, too. They can go as small as they want, but they're going to give up something. It's not like you're going to go small and there's no disadvantage to it, because if there wasn't any disadvantage to it, there wouldn't be any question. Are you going to go small? Of course you would. If mm-hmm. you have nothing that you're going to lose from it. And there wouldn't be any drama around it, and then it would be viewed as the Jazz Grizzly series. And what's true, what he's saying about himself, is also true about them. And he knows they're going to do the same thing he's going to do, because he went on to talk about you're playing the percentages, and it doesn't always work. If something's going to work two times out of three, he'll do it. And if that gets you up two games to one, you'll take it. Right. Two out of three, if you've got a 75% chance to be successful, you're going to do it. Yeah, of you're course. Just around. You're not messing up the math. You're doing it on purpose for comedy's sake. What are you talking about? That's See, a high percentage you opportunity. Don't always, you don't always. Sometimes they know where you're going. And this is one of those examples. Well, we know where I'm going. H E double toothpicks. But, I mean, that's, uh, you know, what are you going to do there? That's for the big guy to decide. And I think, uh, you know, my fate is sealed there. I've accepted it. I'm going to make the best of it when I get there. All right. That's why I moved to Phoenix so I could be used to the heat. When we come back, free association with Steve Cleveland. Get myself prepared, you know, kind of like college prep. 
Our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland, next. We'll get his thoughts on the second round. Stay with us. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Rough Tough Products. Rough Tough sets the industry standard for custom seat covers for cars, trucks, SUVs, and UTVs. Get the best fitting seat covers for the make, model, and year of your vehicle and do business with a Utah company that's been around since 1976. Check them out today at roughtough.com. That's roughtough.com. It's time to welcome in Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. Steve, good morning. Good morning, guys. All right, Steve. Your adopted hometown of Utah. Okay, it's a state, but you get the point. Your adopted L.A. team, not the Laker U team you grew up with, but Paul George, who you coached, is a Clipper. And now they come together head-to-head, second round, how you feeling? Where are you? How you hanging on? <laughs> well, I, I will tell you this. I, I was happy the Clippers won. Uh, that it was the most bizarre series I've ever seen where six games on the road or you know, nobody can win a home game. Uh, but I was happy for Paul and uh, to kind of get over that bump and, and, uh, and their team. Uh, but I, I I have probably more of an affinity for the Jazz, to be honest with you. I mean, I love Paul. We were very close, and I want him to be successful. But uh, this Jazz team has been special. And just following with you guys and watching them play, that would be more than I ever have before. Uh, I love their story. I don't have any personal relationships with any of their players. But uh, from afar, I think they're the most well-coached team in the NBA and they're getting a great deal out of what they have in terms of just sharing the basketball. They play the game like I, I want to see it played. And so, uh, yeah, you know, right, right now I am a, I'm pulling for the Jazz. That's where I am. And, uh, but, I, I, you know, I'm not going to be disappointed if the Clippers win this thing and Paul plays well. Certainly I'm supportive of him. But for me – I, I think the Jazz uh, have, have an ability to, to win this whole thing. And so that's where I sit today, and I don't think that's going to change. So Paul George had some playoff failures, but I don't think this series was one of them. I thought he was outstanding. He and Kawhi both averaging 40.7 minutes a game. That's a huge load for these two guys to carry. Uh, do you think that... Paul is done now with that stuff. He's got the confidence. He's playing big minutes. So where he left off with the Clippers series playing very well is where he should pick up in round two. You know, I, I've actually talked to Paul and uh, after be, between that year and and one of the the, the, the bubble was not. I mean, he, he struggled in the bubble. He struggled being away from his family. He struggled a lot of things. I mean, emotionally, you know, a lot of a lot of different ways and. Uh, and I, because I remember watching him at Indiana as a young player, and, and he uh, he had great runs and in the playoffs and played well. And then, you know, he went, you know he just kind of developed a history, and it, it was really accentuated last year where he just didn't he didn't play well, and uh, and especially in the moments he needed to. But I, I think he is playing with more confidence. And the thing about this Clipper team is they are committed to guarding. Now, you know, it's a, Dallas is different. Than uh, you know than the Jazz are because the Jazz have far far more shooters than Dallas had. Though Dallas shot the ball pretty well. Timmy Hardaway really I think was the biggest difference. He kind of disappeared the last two games. Doncic was there constantly, but you know they're playing for singles. I mean they're playing big, and uh, when they play big like that, you really kind of take away shooters. And I thought 
the advantage was for uh, Kawhi and the Clippers because going big when you're in the zone is fine. But all of a sudden the zone wasn't working. Uh, they couldn't guard. They couldn't guard those guys. And, and and Jackson and Morris, who are solid players, really ended up being the guys that hit the biggest shots in that game against Dallas. And 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 that's the key for the clip for the Clippers. I mean, obviously Paul and Kawhi got to play well, but Jackson probably has has been the answer here the last you know couple of weeks. I mean, he's had twenty, he's had fifteen or sixteen. If he can make shots uh, in Utah, this is this is going to be a seven game series because the, that, they've got enough talent. Uh, two things, the big question marks for me with the Clippers are, can Jackson continue to make baskets, and can they get away with playing Batum at 6'8 against Gobert? Now, they got Zubak at 7 foot tall. He's capable. But uh, I, I think Jackson and, and Morris are the two guys you have to look at. If they can make baskets, uh, this is going to be a seven-game series because certainly the Clippers are capable of winning this thing. Uh, but I just think Jazz are a better team. So I'm curious uh, what you think of their of the Clippers' ability to go small and consistently defend the Jazz. Not for a short stretch, but for for a long stretch. Can they do that? Or if they do, will the Jazz? If the Jazz see it enough, will they solve it? Yeah, I, I think if they go small, stay small, the Jazz will see it and and they'll solve that issue. I, I think. I mean. There aren't any matchup problems. I mean, Kawhi, I mean, you could, I'm sitting there and I was thinking about who's going to guard who, and I have no idea. But Jackson's going to start on Mitchell. I mean, that, that's going to happen. And either uh, if they want to, you know, O'Neal's not a guy that's going to be, be a volume shooter. When the game's on the line and Bogdanovich is going off, then you can see Kawhi Leonard guarding. <clears throat> and that's, I mean, it's one of those things that Leonard's capable of guarding anybody in this league, as is Paul. I mean, they're long. They're both 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, uh, you know, you look at Morris. I think Morris could start on Bogdanovich. And, uh, you know, they match up with, with their guards. Ingles, I mean, if Conley, is Conley going to play? I, I don't know if he's still hurt. We don't know either. Take Conley out of the lineup, yeah. and uh, the Jazz are kind of a different team. Not that Ingles and others can't jump in and get it done, but – the, the matchups at the, at the two, three, and the four with Leonard, Morris, and George are all pretty good defenders. And so I think they match up there. Where, where, can Jackson, can he guard Mitchell? And can Batum deal with Gobert and the screen and rolls? And, and Zubak's going to have to play 25 minutes in these games. I mean, I, I just can't see Batum playing 25 or 30 minutes. Now, you can ask yourself, hey, they just played the tallest team in the NBA. You know, but Porzingis is not really a – Pick and pop or screen. I mean, he might be more of a pick and pop. He's not a screen and roll guy like Gobert is, and so I think that's going to be the question marks for me. Is that the one and the five? Not so much the two, three, and four. Not that the Jazz guys can't do it from there, but the Clippers have really good defenders in Leonard Morris and George at the at, you know guarding those positions. So I think the one and the five are going to be the focus. I mean, I could be dead wrong on that, but just looking at it on paper and watching these teams play. Uh, can you know? Can Jackson stay out of foul trouble? Now you know Rondo hardly played. Uh, I suspect Rondo will play more in this series. So when we look at the Clippers, are you more concerned that they blew multiple chances to establish themselves in the series, or are you looking at hey, when they had the win, every time they did? 
Well, I know I think I, I do have question marks, and, uh, and and I think the the situation is that matchups. I, I just think this the Jazz are a difficult matchup for them when they're putting four shooters on the floor, guys that can all shoot the ball, and, and then you got a seven footer inside that protects the rim and, and can create all sorts of problems on screen and roll action. Um, no, I'm I, I'm I'm concerned that the Clippers have to make an adjustment. I, I, I I'm I'm more if I'm a Clippers fan right now, I'm more concerned about who's gonna who's gonna make baskets on the road, and I, certainly they're playing with more confidence right now. But I, you know, and sometimes that gets overhyped in terms of game losing close games and not getting over the top. I think the Clippers are going to come in there really confident. I think they were embarrassed last year in terms of how they were up three one, but you know the Jazz were too. They were in the same similar situation. And so these are two pretty hungry teams with a lot to prove. And the Jazz have been more consistent over the entire year. But uh, there's a lot of people that feel like the Clippers could be the most talented team left in, you know, in the in series. I mean, that may be true if Harden doesn't play for the Nets. But, uh, but there's certainly a lot of talent on that team. They're, lang- they're long. But they're, they're not always the most consistent shooting team either. Uh, and, and we're seeing a new version of Kawhi Leonard the last two games, what we haven't seen in uh, in a long time. I mean, he's playing like he did with Toronto now. I mean, he's just flat out getting after guys, and um, he's going to be a tough guard for anybody that the Jazz throw at him. You know, he shot 62% in that playoff series, which is outrageous, but the Mavericks in the regular season are a mediocre defensive team, and when you get rid of all the bad teams and you go to playoffs, that makes them a bad defensive team at the postseason level. So Gobert changes that, uh, but I think what you said at the other end of the uh, at the other end of that answer, when you were talking about matchups, I just think Quinn Snyder has been coaching for this series and the Lakers series that isn't going to happen now, uh, all season long, because we have constantly heard him talk about playing with pace, taking the first good shot, getting the ball up the floor quickly before the defense gets set. You know, the Jazz are smaller, especially the backcourt. They are smaller, but if you run and you don't let the other team get matched up, you can get a three, and he's been preaching 45-foot passes up the sideline all season long. And the guy who catches that 45-foot pass is supposed to take the shot. You're open, take the three then. He doesn't care that there's no rebounder there. Take it then, it's the best shot we're going to get. And it just feels like that's because he he knows that if the Clippers and Lakers get their defenses set and matched up, the Jazz are in trouble. So he's been preaching it all year. How much faith do you have in borrowing from Pat Riley's Showtime Lakers? you got to rebound and run because that's the only way to beat the Celtics' big front line. And I know the game has changed, but it hasn't changed that much. Here's Quinn preaching the same thing. No, I, you know what? I, I, that is a great philosophy. I think the other thing that you can add into that is, is altitude. And, and, and I think that I know in college it was it was more impactful because nobody played at altitude, you know, didn't play at a lot of altitude, and they played there and they played at different places. But that altitude, late in games, and guys, you know, I mean, because let's face it, what was it, forty-seven and forty-eight minutes that Paul and uh, and Kawhi played? I mean, that's a lot of minutes, and and when you get at that elevation and teams are running. It's not that they can't shoot the ball. When you're tired and your legs aren't strong, you don't shoot the ball as well, especially late in the game. 
So if they can, they, if they can push the envelope and, and run and get out and get early shots and make those shots, uh, that, that, that makes it's going to make it really hard on the Clippers. There's no question. I think the philosophy is the right one. I mean, I remember we're coaching at altitude, and I remember we wanted, you know, it was a situation. Hey, anytime you can score in transition, because maybe not in the first 10 minutes, but certainly in the second half of that game, if Paul and Kawhi are having to log 40, 45 minutes a game, now they're young and they're in great shape and all that, it, it, there's a, it takes a toll on you. And uh, so that, that will be a factor. I, I think the other thing, too, is they don't, you know, the, the Clippers don't have Jordan Clarkson. And he, I mean, Kennard and man, you know, Kennard came in and made a few baskets in that game, but, you know, Jordan Clarkson could start for the Clippers. And uh, he started for the Jazz that they wanted him to. Uh, he, he could be a huge difference maker in this game. I mean, he is, in, in my mind, uh, you know, he and Mitchell uh, are the two best players in that team. I mean, I'm not talking, Gobert obviously has what, does what he does as an all-star and a big, but Jordan Clarkson, is a guy that could be a big, big factor in this. And, and, and if they're going to win an NBA championship, Jordan Clark, it'll be because Jordan Clarkson played well and scored well. Um, and and I, I just, the Clippers don't really have a bench, per se. They've got a few guys. Like I said, Kennard and Mann shot the ball pretty well uh, at, you know, in that game and, and gave them 24 points But between the two of them. But on the road, are they going to be able to do that? You give an advantage either way to coaching? Yeah, I, I would say the advantage goes to Quinn. I, I know that uh, you know he's won an NBA championship with Cleveland, and and Tyrone Lewis is a guy that's been around the game. But the the thing about it is this: is that there's so, you know the Clippers aren't as bad as the Lakers, but they tend to be really static and stationary, and there's not a lot of movement. And uh, you know if you can get the, and there's not really a post presence for the Clippers that you're going to throw the ball in and. and you know, you're going to have to play him with two defenders. Now, you, you definitely have to help on Kawhi, who can, can, can score in multiple different ways. But the Jazz have situations and matchups that uh, are, are better than, than the Clippers. And so uh, I just think that Quinn does a better job with his personnel. Uh, and not to say that Tyrone Lue can't coach, because he can. Uh, but they do it a little bit differently. I just like the way that Quinn coaches. And with the ball movement and uh, with shooters everywhere, and uh, and a very high basketball IQ uh, as a coaching staff and as a team. So, yeah, I do believe that the advantage goes to Quinn Snyder. Uh, and, you know, obviously Tyron Lewis got an NBA championship, but he also had LeBron James and a few fellows that uh, helped him get that done, Kyrie Irving. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I give the advantage to the Jazz. I'm expecting a long series. It's uh, mostly uh, it's what the Jazz have played uh, quite a bit. Obviously, Memphis was shorter, but it was one versus eight. Uh, and it's all the Clippers have done. Three playoff series in two years since they got this group together, and they've had two seven-game series and a six-game series. So are you assuming this goes six or seven? Is there any way that one of the other teams cracks and the other team rolls? I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I think, first of all, the Clippers can breathe a little bit. I mean, they've been they've been having to deal with mentally, emotionally, coaching staff, players on a colossal failure the last year or two. And if, if anything, this win gets them relaxed, gets them to be able to breathe a little bit, gets them excited about the next level. And uh, you know, Kawhi is the leader of this 
the team silently, but he is such so mentally tough that uh, he's been good for Paul. It's not that Paul isn't as men- uh, mentally tough in a lot of situations, but this is quiet. This quiet is the number one. He's the alpha on this team, and Paul's the number two, and and, and Paul's going to be fine with that. Uh, the big thing for the Clippers is is going to be like we talked about earlier: is can Batum survive in a game where he's playing against uh, an all-star in the post, and can he deal with all the issues there? And can Morris and and you know, Morris and Jackson, if they make baskets and they're able to score and be in double figures, then they, they give the Clippers a, a, an even chance to beat the Jazz. Uh, but I do believe it goes six or seven games. I just because I think the confidence of the Clippers has been restored is a huge, huge elephant off their back, and I think they feel like, hey, we can breathe, we're ready, and now we got something to prove. So, uh, yeah, I do, I do believe it'll be six or seven games. Yeah, you talk about confidence. How much confidence did you have coming to Salt Lake if you're the Clippers, knowing you just went 3-0 and in Dallas now? Tougher environment, state. The arena is going to be at full capacity. Jazz are better than Dallas, but Clippers ought to know that the road isn't that daunting to them. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a great point. And, uh, yeah, and they did it. And they, they did it at a time when uh, Finney and, and Hardaway were knocking threes down. I mean, those guys... If they if they play well in that game, I mean, they got, they Dallas has a chance to win. They just kind of disappeared. They they had big games for Dallas, and and you know the Clippers found ways to win on the road. So that that galvanizes a team too. Uh, when you win on the road, there is nothing that gives a team more confidence than winning on the road. It is a little bit debilitating when you go home and lose. You got to be in front of your own fans. But there is far more joy winning on the road than winning at home. I'm telling you that, right? As a team, collectively. When you go on the road, it galvanizes. It, it strengthens a team. So they, they've had that experience, and I, you know, I agree with you, Pat. I mean, it's something that they're not going to be fearful coming in there, but this is going to be a, a, a crowd unlike anything they've had to deal with lately. And, uh, and a team that plays differently than most teams play in the NBA. I mean, they, they just do. I mean, they... They just move the ball so quickly and and uh, make good decisions. High high IQs at almost every position. Uh, this is a well coached and, and a team that does depend on shooting the ball. They they, they got to make threes. They, they're not. This is not a team other than maybe Mitchell that really gets to the rim very often. Rest of them are pretty much, you know, stand up, shoot up threes coming from the perimeter on penetration and on transition offense. So. Uh, and it, it, it makes it a little more difficult on the road, but they've got so many shooters that on any given night, any two or three of them can, can get, get it going. So, uh, but I, I the, the the Clippers are going to be way better this time around than they were last time, and not against the Jazz, but just in the playoffs, uh, generally speaking. The that that was a huge elephant off their back to win that series. They'll come in a little more relaxed, and but again. I, I do believe altitude has it will play an issue, especially when they're only playing seven or eight guys. Steve, you know who Bill Plaschke is. He's been a columnist for the L.A. Times forever, and PK was yep. reading him this morning. And PK, just run run some of the highlights past Steve. What did he say? <laughs> oh, here's a 
History is against the Clippers. Home court advantage is against Clippers. Likely more than 90% of L.A. basketball fans are against the Clippers. But you know what? Bet on them anyway. Bet on them big. It says here, this first round fright was the series, and this game seven brilliance was the win. That will eventually catapult them into the NBA Finals. Such disrespect, coach, for our jazz. Hey, you know, what do you expect from a guy from L.A.? Uh, you know what? Uh, I, I think they're they're just trying to find something that can, can excite the people of L.A. after a really, really disappointing Los Angeles Lakers uh, season with injuries and not playing very well and the Clippers kind of being the same. So I don't know why he get, he's getting on the bandwagon. I haven't, I haven't really read his clowns. I know who he is. But, yeah, Jazz... We'll take that for the locker room feeder, and uh, uh, I don't. You know what? That stuff means a lot to fans and to uh, and to high school kids, maybe. But uh, it, it, that doesn't fly. I don't think Quinn Snyder's too worried, or the players are too worried about being disrespected. Uh, you got to go out and play and do it. But uh, they got to sell newspapers too, and that's not an easy thing to do these days. Okay, that's all true, but in the whole disrespect thing, how about the fact that the Clippers tanked at the end of the season, lost six of the last ten games, sat five guys who normally would probably play 150, 160 minutes in a game, maybe more than that, so that they could lose to Oklahoma City on the last day so they could get the Jazz in the second round instead of the Lakers? Oh, yeah, that, 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 that needs to be on the locker room. <laughs> no, that was stupid. That, that, that was so ignorant and, and not good for the game. And they made up whatever they made up. But everybody could see that from the outside. That was, that was They wanted to avoid the Lakers. They wanted to play the Jazz. And uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't know anything about the inside of what's going on in the Clipper locker room. But it, it, from the outside appearance, it did appear that that's the, that's the path that they were taking. Uh, that would have really uh, backfired on them if they lost to Dallas. They, they would not be able to come out of their houses for about six months. Uh, the, the coaching staff, the general manager, and everybody else involved with the Clippers. But uh, they can breathe a little bit of sigh of relief now. But, uh, yeah, that's absolutely, man. And, and, and nobody wants to see that. I, everybody hated that, and, and deservedly so. They deserve all the negative attention they could get when you go and do those kinds of things. That's not good for the game. You know, but I understand why, but it's not good for the game. Go play, and uh, so that Jazz can use that for some locker locker room fuel, and and uh, but I, I doubt seriously if they will. Uh, it's in their mind, and uh, a pretty mature group the Jazz have, and and a coaching staff that is not going to get. Um, they're just not going to be impacted by outside noise. There's just no way. Steve, as always, we appreciate a little bit of time. We will talk to you again next week, and yeah. at that point, we'll be midway through the series, so we'll see where it's headed. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be exciting. I'm looking forward to watching the guys play. All right, thanks, Steve. You know, have a great day. Thanks. Right, you too. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. When we come back, everything you missed in this show, we'll get you up to speed next. Stay with us. Ah! 
Now and for the Utah Jazz. Get out of the way. Round one is done. Got it. As Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and Mike Conley sent the Grizzlies pack. Donovan! Now it's on to round two as the Jazz make a push to an NBA title. I live for the hunt. I live for it. Won't stop till I get what I want. Won't stop. I don't care what it takes. Yo, Ingles! Jordan Clarkson! Hear every second of every moment of Utah Jazz playoff basketball. It's all about survival. Right here on your exclusive home of the Jazz. 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The Zone Sports Network. Flex, Rudy, flex! Leonard against Marjanovic, far side corner. Baseline drive to the rim. Kawhi Leonard! A building, breaking jam! Another one from Kawhi at Porzingis to the poster list. George top of the key to Leonard on the left wing against Jalen Brunson in the 2-3 Dallas Mavericks zone. Driving middle, gets past Brunson, pulls up from 10, and he got the roll. Kawhi Leonard with 28. Time to get you up to speed on everything you missed in this show. We spent a little time talking Game 7, Mavericks, Clippers, the Mavericks supporting cast, PK. You have two ways to go here. One, the Mavericks supporting cast needs to be a little more potent here so that they can outscore the Clippers. Or two, you just can't be a middle-of-the-pack defensive team in the NBA and think you're going very far in the playoffs. You can outscore people in the regular season. You get to the playoffs. I think the Mavericks are like 16th or 17th ranked in defense in the league. Well, obviously, the worst teams aren't even in the playoffs, so you're at a huge disadvantage. So those are two things people are looking at. Which one do you think sunk the Mavericks or enabled the Clippers to win? I don't think that the Clippers or the Mavericks had enough players they could count on from the offensive perspective when it mattered the most. Because defensively, you take a look at game six. At the end of that game, I don't know who's stopping Kawhi Leonard. Mm -hmm. His offense, in the end, I think offense is better than defense. And if you get players, player or players, I mean, if you get players, then you're really looking good. But if you get a player of that caliber who just gets in that zone that we've seen, it becomes, from, from a fan perspective, it's so fun to watch. And watching that ball game, particularly late Friday night, was all sorts of fun for me, watching him make shot after shot. There was nothing that the, the Mavs could do. So I think on the other end, you know, maybe try to keep pace because if you have a guy scoring and then you're not scoring, then it becomes easier for the guy that's scoring to score. It's not as much pressure because he doesn't have to keep pace. And I just don't think Doncic has enough help. And I also think it's easier to find scoring than it is to find lockdown defenders. I just don't think there's that many. There aren't that many. NBA players are so good offensively. Yeah. And And the Jazz rode that trying to be the lockdown defensive team for a while. And they bumped up against, you know, their ceiling. And they knew they were going out in the first or second round. Right. And they went for shooting two years ago. I, I think to me, defensively, the most important thing that I look for is you got to be able to rebound and you've got to be able to limit second chances because it's almost like you start getting second and third chances, the basketball gods aren't going to make you lo- miss. It's going to go in because you're going to, it's like walks in baseball. You start getting loose with walks. Yes. You're, that's actually you're in all an excellent sorts of trouble. That's actually an excellent analysis. Yeah. You just can't give people freebies. They're right. good enough. Right. You know, if a guy's going to hit a homer, make sure it's a solo homer. He can't be hitting a two-run shot because you walks him, dude. Yeah. And it, and in an offensive rebound situations, it becomes scrambled defensively, and guys ends up being wide open. 
We've seen that with the Jazz, Bogdanovich there, and some dude goes flying after him, and he just does a little pump, does a slide step, and he's got it for him. It's virtually a layup. Yeah. And so make sure you, you, you're taking care of the glass. But the, the Mavericks need some help. I mean, Dotson's at 22 years of age. is an absolute marvelous player. He's going to be fun to watch for the next 10-plus years. You know, one thing that I read, and this is where it helps to be at games and not watching on TV because you can see stuff regardless of where the cameras go, including to commercial break, uh, and that Doncic was gassed in the fourth quarter. Even when there was the ball went out of bounds, he was getting inbounded, he would like lean on the scores table, and they could be. just see him huffing and puffing. Because, and, and the Clippers did get big late shots from role players. Reggie Jackson had a big shot. The, the, the lead was, I think, down to seven, and he pushed it back and to Morris ten. Morris hit one. Morris, yeah. And so the role players can hit late, but if the role players could at least carry you earlier in the game or in the middle of the game, because Doncic spent just a ton of energy in the first half and went off, and they didn't get stops, and they're still down at halftime, and he spent already. And I think that's mm-hmm. one thing. You know, with Mitchell, there are a lot of times Jazz fans are like, why didn't he get going until the, till the second half? Well, they didn't have to. If other guys can carry the load, then he's got the energy to absolutely go berserk late in the game. Yeah, I think Doncic carries the most or the heaviest load of any player in the NBA, even more so than Lillard does with Portland. Because you trust McCollum? More so than anybody Anybody else. Yeah, Yeah. right. More than anybody on the Mavericks. All right, so a lot about Game 7, and then where does this go with the Jazz and the Clippers? And and the first thing is, well, I think it goes a long time. This is a, these teams, are, they're, they're going to play a long series. This is going to be a six- or seven-game series. The Jazz are going to drop games along the way, and there's going to be angst. And Quinn Snyder would never say that in those words. That's just putting too much negative energy out in the universe and putting negative stuff in your guys' heads. But when he's on that call yesterday that you and I both listened to, and he says hey, you got to play the odds, and what you do doesn't work every time. And he was talking about both teams. The Jazz aren't going to shoot 40% from three as a team every night. And the Clippers are going to have to give some stuff up. And if guys who run hot and cold from three, and Ingles was cold at the end of round one, you've been pointing out, well, after, after two games of shooting the ball really well to start the series, he had three games he didn't shoot the ball well at the end uh, of the series. His nickname in this next series, yeah, it's going to be DV, Death Valley. That's how <laughs> hot he's going to be. Okay. You've heard it here first. Death Valley Ingles. The Clippers are going to have to pick their poison with all the Jazz perimeter shooters. And if Clarkson goes off, or Ingles goes off, or Niang goes off, or Royce O'Neal. Does 6 of 8 mean anything to you? Oh, that means a W. If one of those guys goes 6 for 8 from 3, I'm just penciling in a W. Death Valley Ingles. I want you to remember that. So when you come in Wednesday, you know where you heard it. Death Valley Ingles. 121 degrees. The Jazz are also going to have to pick their poison. So, well, that's where they're going, Ivy. Poison <laughs> Ivy. Okay. Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy. Okay, you need to stop that. <laughs> <laughs> need to stop that. You know, the great thing about this, you know, I asked Steve Cleveland about, well, the Clippers should have all sorts of confidence of winning on the road. But at the same time, I don't know if the Jazz are going to go 4-0 at home, but they should have confidence. Well, if Dallas can do it a couple of times, we can do it actually three times. We can do it too. 
They split two in Utah and then split two in L.A. Don't be surprised. 2-2 going to game five. Don't be surprised. All right. That's DJ's big prediction. I'm Death Valley Angles. You got the Jazz 3-1 coming home to close it out? I hadn't thought about that Mm. yet, though. I just think there's going to be some back and forth. And I'd already kind of thought about that, that it should be a long series. Well, 3-1 isn't over either. When Quinn, (laughs) right? Both teams know that firsthand. Um, But when Quinn started talking about you got to play the odds and you aren't going to hit them every time, I was thinking, why is he saying that? I started thinking, "Mm, just trying to win two out of three. Just keep winning two out of three. You'll be okay. Right. You win 75%. You're good. And there you go with the math again. And if you missed it earlier in the show, he but did. But you're that good if you win 75. percent How do you argue true, with y'all. that? Because it's not over at three to one. It's not. Death Valley Angles, man. I'm liking that more and more. Gonna like, hold on to that, huh? Beat that into the ground. I'm loving it. I'm hot with it. I'm burning. DVI. I want to DVI this series. Death Valley Angles. It even gets better the more I talk. It's amazing. <laughs> Vegas has the Jazz as the favorite of the four teams left in the West. As they should. They are the favorite and to Mesquite, come out of the West. And over and Elko have them, too. But not Tonopah. It's crazy. Tonopah? <laughs> who goes to gamble in Tonopah? People who live in Tonopah. Is Tonopah in Nevada? I thought yes. Tonopah was in Utah. I knew it was close to the border, but I, for some reason... Tonopah, I think, is what you hit between like Vegas and... Carson City or Tahoe. I've never done that drive. I've never driven from from Vegas to to Reno. Well, it's no better from here to. I've done the 395 down the the Sierras. I've done that. That's middle of nowhere time. All right, random trips across Nevada. We'll discuss that another time. That's very desolate outside of a couple of places. Yeah. You ever gone on that state highway south out of Fallon? Man, you're in the middle of nowhere real quick. Jimmy? No. The town of. Oh. Yeah, you get you get south of Fallon. You you're a mile outside of town, and you are middle of nowhere. I never get south of Fallon. It's always just been a philosophy of mine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got a new coach for the Blazers? Anybody you'd like to see? Because we heard that Damian Lillard like Jason Kidd. Got Oakland ties, right? But Jason Kidd's thanks. Well, no thanks. And then Jason Kidd said it well. The word was he felt uncomfortable. Uh, putting the Blazers in that situation. I also think Jason Kidd views himself as a hot commodity, and Portland isn't the place to be. He wants something that's a little closer to a title? Yeah, where are you going with Portland? Uh, out in the first or second round. Until until they get more help in the front court and get more shooters to surround Lillard. And is Lillard the answer there? Now, he would be if they had more talent. Yeah. But well, my point is, can you rebuild by trading him? Long rebuild, <laughs> not immediate. Yeah, but they're they're in. I don't think they're going to trade Lillard pattern either right. way. I don't think they're going to trade Lillard and have a team that is uh, is ready to go compete for a championship. No, it's tear it That's down, not about that. be down for a while, and then try to come back up in three to five years. Yes. So they're ready to quit on Lillard. My guess is not. That's yet. not ready to quit on him. It's just trying to make your team better and actually do him a solid. 
sending him someplace else because whatever team, if they were to move him, whatever team he's going to, is well, going to make that blame, team better. They're going to blame Terry Stotts. They'll bring in a new coach. And if after two years that doesn't work, then I think they'll be yeah, ready to do what you said. I don't think they blame Stotts. I think they just you've been there nine years. As Quinn said yesterday, the average length of an point. NBA coach is 2.3. After you throw out the top and the bottom, <laughs> he, made sure he, got, he made sure he got Popovich out of there. Okay, you got to well, get his numbers out. That's an exception. Right. Uh, but but Quinn's now the exception in seven years. Seven years, yeah. yeah. And I don't think there's an end in sight. I don't know. But uh, I think it's uh, probably going to be looking at 10 years. And that's a good because Jazz are in a good spot and they should continue to win for the next three years. So that's what you want. And they, they did it the right way, man. They went through all that stuff. And you hear a lot of teams, you know, you talk about copycat and the ways to do it and all that stuff. Well, Portland and Salt Lake are very much similar. Although we don't have a bunch of people burning down stuff every night. That's positive. Yeah, if you're into that, yeah. <laughs> Probably you would view that as a positive. Yeah, absolutely. So other than that, but obviously market size and whatnot, I don't know what Portland is, but it seems to me it ought to be close. And so point being... It is. It is. Although I, Portland's I, a little bigger. I think we're going to get done with that deal. And so this place can't attract the big free agents. In the next five years, they're going to land a top two or three guy out on the market, and he's going to want to come. He's going to say, well, of course I want to be here. Why wouldn't I want to be here? Mark my words. Yeah, I'll mark that down. Top two or three guy in the league? Free agent. Of the free agent class. Okay. Not a top two or three guy in the league necessarily. No. Of the, the free agent classes are only as good as the players. That doesn't mean, if you're the number one free agent in 2023, that doesn't mean you're a top five player. Right. But they're going to land somebody better than Bogdanovich. Yes. Yes. That's a good one. Yes. Because that would be, as free agent signings go. That's nice. Boozer, O'Kerr, Bogdanovich, are those the big uh, three? Harping. Is Harping a free agent? He's yeah, I think he was. I think he was. Yeah. I think they'll do, I think the next three to five years, they'll do better than that. Yes. All right. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. When we come back, your feedback. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Paul George has a certain fear in his eyes. Every time he looks over and sees that big bad number two playing for Utah. Is there a hangover effect, PK? Back to that Oklahoma City series. He struggled, Jazz won. Or that was then and this is now. I think Paul's in a different state of mind now. I think he's got a better team than they had then. But Jazz are better, too, so it's somewhat of a wash there. Uh, if that's a hangover three years ago... Then they're beaten. Then you're, <laughs> Yeah, you're really mentally weak. You are a mess at that point. Uh, he averaged... He scored 20 points in every single game. He didn't have one game in the teens, so he was scoring it. 45% shooting for the in, series. In this series? Mm-hmm. I sure. think he's a marvelous player. I, mean, I think and he's a prototypical NBA player. He can do it all. He's long. He's lean. He's athletic. He can defend you. He can shoot it. He may not be great on any individual skill, but he's got a lot of skill. It surprises me, no knock against Fresno State. That he was at Fresno State. Yeah. And that they didn't win when he was there. Uh, They were kind of a mess at the time. Yeah. But... You but would, that good of an NBA player should elevate your team quite a bit. They had a losing record. I'm not asking him to go Sweet well, 16. I mean, he's no Jimmer. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we 
Wouldn't it be great if it were like the old times? I love this job. This would never work. This would never work now in the current Zoom universe. <laughs> Zoom universe. Right? But could you imagine walking up to Kawhi before, before, like if he spoke at a shoot-around and saying, do you still flinch and get pissed off when you hear the word Jimmer? <laughs> I don't think he does because he got him in that conference final. Yeah. And now he's got a great NBA career going, and there's, he's won two championships. There was the picture of him clapping after they won that at Jimmer. Yeah, I remember. He got in his face a little bit yeah. because at the time, Jimmer was getting all the run, and they did Jimmer beat was getting him up here. All, all the run. That's what I just said. <laughs> he was doing phoners on SportsCenter. They weren't even doing phoners, but they did it because Jimmer was so special they had to have him on. That had to irritate Kawhi. And why wouldn't it? At the time, I think yeah. it did, yeah. And they both went to the Sweet 16, although BYU would have gone to the Final Four if Brandon Davies was eligible. There's no doubt in my mind. Zero doubt in my mind. In fact, I'm so positive of it, I credit BYU with a Final Four appearance. You're the one. Not me and five trillion other BYU fans. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you got me there. Uh, Kawhi in the last playoff series, 32 points, eight rebounds, four and a half assists. Oh, he was and Paul George was twenty three and nine with uh, like almost six assists. I think it was like five point seven or something. Like They're that. two great players. So those are massive numbers out of those That's two guys. Forty plus minutes a game for each of them. Interesting, they both averaged forty point seven minutes in the playoffs. Exactly That's right down huge, to the tenth. That's a huge load. That is. That is absolutely. And I'm wondering if that will catch up to them. So just because the series goes long, it might not be to the disadvantage of the Jazz, might be to their advantage. Totally, totally agree. And especially if Quinn, he's been preaching all year, if he gets them to run, 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 And our guys are in run. great shape. And they go to bed at 10 o'clock every night. And there's eight of themselves. them. Nine if, if Conley's healthy and able to go, whenever that happens in the series. Ten if Ilyasova plays. Doesn't seem to be happening, does 11 it? if Trent Forrest plays, and who's that white, going, Matt Thomas? You're really going more Mie Aoni. Who Aoni? Stop. Mie Aoni, who seems to get the minutes when Conley's out. All right. What's your biggest worry going into this playoff series and uh, having the officials on their side and getting all the calls? I just... Hope the Jazz won't let it phase them, and they torch the Clippers early on in these games. Need to keep the pedal to the metal the whole game. Jazz fans are dialed in for this PK. Win every quarter. The wood to the stood. (laughs) Absolutely. The fight to the might. All right, Hans and Scotty are coming up with more as the Jazz and the Clippers get ready to go. Stay with us.